Bad snap. Bobble. Oh, Scoops oh. up. Here come the Spartans. Touchdown, MSU. From WDBM East Lansing, you're listening to the Green and White Report, a production from Impact Sports. This is your source for sports news, debates, and more for Michigan State, Detroit, and the rest of the sports world. Good morning, folks. Welcome into the Green and White Report, Sunday, September 29th. Somehow September's over. Wake me up when September ends, Julian. This We're has here. been ridiculous. We're here. That's a Green Day reference. For the uh, adolescents out there. Oh, there, I went over my head as well. You don't know. Not, you not even Green gonna Day? lie. I listened to a little bit Day. of Green Day, but it wasn't. What is it? American Idiot? Is that yes. A thing? Okay. Classic song. It's classic. I don't know. There's. I think the kids these days might be a bit, bit too young to remember Green Day. I think you might be right. They don't remember Those like the anything. Days. Did you ever have like an angsty, like like rebellious phase? I did. It you wasn't did. Green Day. It was Lincoln Park. Really? That Lincoln Park was my thing. Wow, so you were in like a really weird mental place. It was very strange. I don't know what happened during that time, that point in time in my life, but do you have Lincoln. A, do you have a favorite Lincoln Park song? Um, and I got to think of what the song name is. Uh, Meteora is, I think it's the album name. It's really good. I've never heard of it. I have Might no be idea. the song as well off one of their albums. That one's really good. Any <laughs> their whole collaborations with Jay Z yeah, encore yeah, is yeah, fantastic. I knew that was coming. That's a help song. The <laughs> That's numb, so good. The, yeah. That's great. Uh, Ryan Rabinowitz, Julian Mitchell here with you. Hikaru Kudo behind the glass. Uh, you're listening to the Green and White Report brought to you by Impact 89 FM WDBM. Rainy day here in East Lansing. Not a fan. Picked Not up good. Ryan Collins this morning. He was swatting at the rain like a like a uh, mentally insane person. He was angry. He was I know. mad I felt, at the raindrops. I felt bad. He, he didn't like it at all. Um, I will say, though, now we're in fall. This is fall. Welcome to fall. Autumn, if you will. Summer oh. is over. Get get used to it. I will. I, I think too. The problem is now going to become. It's going to be one of those one of those times when you're going to classes now, where you're dressing like it's like winter outside in the morning, and then when you get out of class, it's eighty five degrees, so and you're you're sweating walking home. Those that's like one thing I can't stand about walking to class. I love the walk on campus here. Not a bike guy. I think bike people are a nuisance and just causes problems. I think if everyone, I think if it was illegal to have a bike. On campus, I think things would run more smoothly, more smoothly. I agree. Smooth. I just think the simple fact is people need to learn how to use the bike lane that's right next to them. Yes. Like, just get in the bike lane. It's there for you for a reason. Stop trying to swerve through me, and then you tell me, on your left, like, I will clothesline you. Yeah. I hate, oh, I can't stand the on your left people. Like, just figure it out. Go around me if you have to. I shouldn't have to be looking over my shoulder for you, these people that ride around campus like it's the Tour de France. Like, do what you got to do. And I shouldn't have to move. You're on the bike. You can off-road, get on the grass. One dude looked at me as I'm walking on the sidewalk. He's on his bike. We're, like, definitely going to have a head-on collision. Yeah. I'm not moving. Then he looks at me, just nods his head to the left. I'm like, you move. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like, hit me. Or get a bell. Get a, You know, one of those little bells. Or oh, like, yeah. I like the tassels that the yeah, and the handlebars. Oh, those are nice. But I, I, I think that um, I'm always someone who's a very big... Uh, bike on the sidewalk guy like when you're in residential areas and you see people hauling on the on the road on the bike it's like get on the sidewalk but now i think it's almost better if you're in the road on campus i agree i agree i think in the residential area i was a big ride in the street kind of kid that was me i didn't use the sidewalks it was bad you're, that, that was part of that rebel face it was it was i was listening to lincoln park i found the song is numb, numb i could yeah, hear the yeah, lyrics yeah. oh then i 
second. Yeah, I yeah. had the whole thing in my so head. So it was but... like the Lincoln Park was blasted on your iPod Nano, and you were just you were dr- riding your bike. I was in riding the my bike, feeling reckless. And your parents were about to send you to boarding school because you were clearly <laughs> off the rails. They were, that's why they sent me to a, a Catholic private school. There you go. And now look at I you. I had now. to be reformed. Look at you now. A uh, lot to do on the show today, folks. We're going to kick off the show with some Michigan State men's soccer with Ian Gilmore, who just walked in, looking very, very nice, might I add. Uh, Michigan State football, of course, and their win against Indiana yesterday. Field hockey with Nathan Stearns. Happy to have him back in studio. Got some national headlines I want to talk about. I like that, you know, kind of bringing back the what's on your mind, brother. What's on your mind? <laughs> My favorite segment we do on the show. Got a, got a couple things I want to address uh, second half of the show, we do have the Sparty Awards, Michigan State football talk again. Uh, we talk a little bit of uh, Ohio State in the coming weeks uh, with Alex McCray, Detroit Lions, and NFL picks. My favorite thing to do because I usually suck at them, so whatever. If you want to join the show today, 517-432-3893 is the phone number, or you can text us. It is 2019, folks. We do have that capability. 517-884-8989 or on Twitter at WDBM Sports hashtag G. W report. Wow. That's a lot. Breathe. That was perfect. You killed it. Thank you. Now we're just going to wait around for the legal. You killed that. It's a perfect show. The legal stresses me out. You know the legal stresses (laughs) me out. Once it gets to like 11.55, I start to sweat. I'm like, okay, Okay. the legal's coming. But it's okay. We'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, Ian Gilmore, how are you? What's going on, guys? Not much. I'm a little out of breath, not going to lie. Running through that rain, I I felt like Collins out there. I was doing the same thing. That was crazy. I wish you guys could have seen Collins. I I thought like he either was having a schizophrenic episode or there was a bug in his face, but I was like, what's going on? He's like, oh, it's just the rain. I'm mad at the rain. All right. right, Whatever. I Uh, can just see the look on his face, too. I know, right? Collins, (laughs) disgusted look. I know. Exactly. Lights on, no one's home kind of deal. (laughs) Love him, though. Talk to Ryan Collins later. Can't wait for it. Uh, Happy happy homecoming, Ian. Thank you. How was your homecoming weekend? Um... I, it was kind of the same as any other weekend. <laughs> that's, that's fair I enough. I didn't have any you know, family that went here or anything, so just, you know. I assume that homecoming chilling. homecoming weekends get more important as you're like an alumni and you come back and yeah. you, you relive the glory days of your, your 21-year-old self when that's you're true. 35 or so. That's true. We'll have a reunion at 605 Charles. Yes. Oh, Ryan's yes. place. We'll just reun- reunion yes. at some point. Uh, thanks for coming over to Tailgate yesterday, by the way. It's of your course. First, your first appearance. It was a wa- wonderful time. Good. Had myself a blast. Uh, did you want to address the DJing scandal? I will. I feel like we should get this. We can, we're going to circle back Fine. to the, to the DJ because I, I have, I have a thing actually, to say about Should we it. actually talk about sports, you think? Did they play Lincoln Park? Or is that, was that the no, discrepancy? No, no. There's, a, there's a whole story to this. <laughs> a, lo- a lot happened in a very, very short time span. Yeah. We'll get we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you first because you got to get out of here and cover some soccer yourself. So uh, uh, we'll get through this quickly. Men's soccer, tough season for the Spartans. Uh, one five and two on the season. Their first one of the year Friday against Rutgers. Um, so rather than starting with that, let's talk about Notre Dame. Um, that big game, by the way. Right. Demarin Stadium was bumping. Uh, thoughts from that game? Well, yeah, Notre Dame's a good team. They're ranked number twenty-one, and they're perennially perennially good. And I think the it was a bit hyped up because both these teams went to the Elite Eight last year, but. Of course, Michigan State hasn't had the same season that they did last year. Um, they they really didn't look bad, and I think they looked good in stretches. It was, I would say, if if you don't even think about the win on Friday, like just you know put that out of your mind. I think this is like the best we had seen Michigan State so far this season. They they really looked dangerous. Uh, just once again, they weren't able to finish in the final third, and and defensively, uh, they had Michael Watungu back for a half, um, but then just you know one lapse from. Um, I almost called him Jimmy Haig, but, but Hunter Morris uh, in the back cost them the game. But 
it, it just seemed I, I was talking to Joe Fryhofer and, and Adam Bacher after the game. It was, it was I, I just kept saying like it looks like it's coming and it feels like it's coming and it seems like it's just a matter of time until it does. But again, it was just one of those where it just hurt um, if you're the team because of how close they were and 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 just how good they looked. Um, especially going forward, they looked they looked more dangerous going forward than it had all season. Farai Mutatu um, looked like the guy for the first time uh, this season, and and it was just another one of those ones that was it was kind of crushing just because um, just that feeling again, like it's so close, but like it's just not happening. Yeah, and at one five and two on the season, a big a big reason for the record has been injuries. Injuries have just absolutely decimated uh, the Spartan team this year. And in that game against Notre Dame, um, seven players that played the complete ninety minutes. Uh, they had a rookie in there, Nick Stone. He was one of four true freshmen to play in that one. When you look at this season, you look at the injuries, and you kind of see that they're at one five and two right now. There's probably not a great chance they're going to continue going forward into the postseason. Is this just a throw, not a, necessarily a throwaway season, but a year to kind of recoup, rebuild, get these freshmen, get these younger guys some more minutes, see what they can turn into next season? Is this kind of the season you're looking at for the Spartan team, or is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Well, it's interesting because I think there is a light. It's very faint and, and very tiny at the moment, but um, it, seeing the positives from the Rutgers game on Friday, and it, it, you never know. It's kind of like one of those things. It's like, yes, this season is rebuilding, but like, Hey, I mean, you, you know, you never know. It's like mm-hmm. one of those, like, well, you know, if the Lions are like six and six, something like that in the season, and they've got you know the hardest teams going up here. Uh, right, you never know. You never know. Um, but um, I do think that it's a good chance this season to for Damon Rensing to kind of cultivate those younger players and and get them ready for um, you know, going forward, which is a shame if you think about it, because. I think the only people that really believe in this team are the people in the locker room right now. Because one five and two, you think like you know, there's no chance they're going to the postseason. But you know, they believe in themselves. I mean, if you if you win the Big Ten, I think you get in that large bid. You should at least. So you never. They Rutgers isn't the best team in the Big Ten. They were ranked number twenty two, but again, not the best team in the Big Ten. And uh, like I said, the guys in the locker room believe in themselves. That should be enough for them. Uh, so we'll see what they do going forward. I think you get three games into the Big Ten, and then you can see where the season is. If they lose more than one game in the Big Ten, I think the season's over because I don't think they get into postseason if they lose more than one game in the Big Ten. So let's go to that Rutgers game, three nothing win on Friday. Uh, one of the things I think that we've talked about at length on this show with the soccer team is the lack of offensive production. So I mean, a three nothing, three nil. I'd say the industry term, a three nil win is is pretty solid and has to be a pretty positive thing to see versus like a one nothing win. So uh, what are some of the positives that you took from that game? And is it a sign for things to come for this Spartans team? I don't see why not. I don't see why not. I mean, three like, like you said, 3-0, it's the most offensive production they've had all year. Granted, it came from quite a few defensive lapses from Rutgers, but, I mean, Gianni Ferry gets his first goal as a Spartan. Olu Ogunwale, who has been playing as as a, as a fullback so far this season, he's he's got some time at winger the last three games, which I love to see because I don't think he's a great defender. Um, but... <laughs> Going forward, he can he can really play, and he's he's pacey as heck. Um, so seeing him get one was good, and then Fry Mutatu finally got his first one as well. So it's a sign of of good things to come, I think, for for uh, this MSU team. Um, they play Penn State next, which isn't you know one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. So um, I think going forward, it'll be interesting to see just how much offensive production they can keep up in the Big Ten. Because like I said, I mean you never know, and uh, they're one and zero in the Big Ten, which will be the record they're looking at. They're not looking at the five losses and in two ties, so to them, they're probably 1-0. Um, 
But if it if it like I said, if it doesn't happen, if it doesn't continue like they did against Rutgers, then you can kind of throw the season in, not in the trash, but I'd say in the recycling bin. The recycling bin. And as we talked about, a lot of younger players getting to play. You talked about two players who had their first goal or one player that had their first goal in the game against Rutgers. When you're looking at this team, looking at what's going to happen to the rest of this program, are there players that kind of are a big light for you, that guys that you think in the next coming years will be your next Ryan Sarakowski and your next Daquan Jones? Are there, are there uh, guys there that you think are going to be the future of this program? Well, I think it was really important for Gianni Ferry to get his first goal and open his campaign because I think he's going to be that guy going forward. Um, Frami Tatu is, I believe, uh, junior, I think. I believe so. Um, no, he's a sophomore. He was a freshman last year, my bad. But so he'll have three more years, and Johnny Ferry will be that kind of you know standalone striker up top. Um, Al Algahim's been injured, but he was one of the brightest spots for this team uh, in the first couple games of the season. He's a true freshman. I think he's gonna be that sort of Giuseppe Baroni type type role going forward. So um, if they do kind of throw the season away, it'll be a shame just because they've got a couple really good seniors and Patrick Nielsen and Giuseppe Baroni and Michael Watungu. Uh, Michael Miller, that it'll kind of be a waste of, of their talent. But even when those guys leave going forward, it's not going to be a bad team. And I think um, at least results-wise, uh, it might be better uh, in the next couple of years. What has Damon Rensing's message been to this team? Obviously a team that went to the Final Four last year. So I, I think it's a bit of an adjustment because you know maybe you don't think that things were going to be as bad as they were this year but probably hard to meet that expectation of last year. What's his message to his team been, and how has he kind of viewed this entire rebuilding year of sorts, if you will? Well, uh, his message has kind of been, he, he keeps saying that he likes this group of guys, and he likes what they're doing. It just hasn't been able to happen for him yet. And, I mean, I haven't talked to him since they won, but but the feeling was kind of like he was getting more and more frustrated as they as they went on. But um, I, I think he realizes that this is a hard-working group, and there's there's never been a game where it's been an effort problem at all. And I think that's really important when, when you're not getting the results you want. Um, so it's kind of been like a reluctant keeping the head up um, because it's easy to drop it after, you know, you go seven games to start the season without a win for a, for a program like Michigan State. But I think that's the message is they just got to keep pushing forward. And I don't think they want to accept that this could be a rebuilding year just because of that talent that they do have uh, in the upperclassmen. But I think at some point that, that might be what the harsh reality that he has to face going forward. The Spartans will take on Penn State, as Ian said, on Tuesday at 6 p.m. at the Martin Stadium. Ian is going to cover Michigan State women's soccer today against Purdue, 1 p.m. kick at the Martin Stadium. So we'll let you get out of here. You're Pleasure looking, is always You're looking nice. great. You. Stay Thank dry you. today. Appreciate it. I'll do my best. Best of luck I don't luck have an umbrella. There. Wouldn't you think you know? I would have an umbrella? I don't know. Go buy one. <laughs> Do we have that in the budget? Can we buy you an umbrella? Can we, can we, we have an impact, impact umbrella? Yeah, and I have one. Hold. To steal mine. Can I actually? Yes. That's yes, huge. Can. I got you. Huge. Can you do the uh, do your stand-up video with the umbrella? It'd be Wait, adorable. I'm going to have to. That'd you got to feature my umbrella in the stand-up. I'm going to have to. That'd be adorable. Dude, Ian's been killing his stand-ups, man. I think I saw it last I like night. It. Who, were you with you were Luke? Yeah. Yes, Luke Sloan. Both killed it. Both killed it last night. I don't Appreciate even it. I don't even watch uh, 3 a.m. YouTube videos anymore. I just watch Ian Gilmore stand-ups. <laughs> That's all I do. Just all cycle right. through them. <laughs> Ian, have a blast. Thanks for being here today. Enjoy your Sunday. Thank you, guys. You too. Go Lions. Go Lions. You're right. I needed that today. I'm fired up. I got the Stafford jersey on. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. But before we get into Lions football, let's talk some Michigan it's State Michigan. football. Julian, if you don't mind. Uh, homecoming game. Whoa, my mic is now. Uh, there we go. We're back. Hey, we're back. That Hello. was crazy. <laughs> Freaked me out. A little heart attack there for a second. I thought the station was burning down, but we're fine. Uh, Michigan State 40, 
Indiana 31 on the homecoming game yesterday. Some stats for you. Brian Lewerke, 18 for 36 through the air, 300 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Stewart with five catches, 117 yards and two touchdowns. What's this What's this quarterback's name for Indiana? Is his first name. Michael Penix, I believe. Penix, yeah. Penix Jr., right? Penix. Penix, yep. Great name. 33 Fantastic for 42. Name. I love great, it. Great name and great game out of him yesterday. 33 for 42 through the air, 286 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, had to sweat a little bit, per usual, with Michigan <laughs> State football. Uh, I got to the game for a half. A great atmosphere on, on, on the homecoming day, of course. Um, celebrating Coach D'Antonio's 110th win. Uh, well, now 111th after this win yesterday, but that was part of the, the ceremony and whatnot for him that was pretty cool to witness. Uh, getting into the game now, Julian, I'll turn it over to you as far as your thoughts from yesterday. Turn it to me first. Wow. Um, well, obviously, as you, as you kind of said there, the score, uh, the final score definitely doesn't show how close this game was. This was a close game, very back and forth. Penix played very well. thought Lewerke played well um, for Mich- Michigan State as well. Really, when I look at this game, this is a game Michigan State should have lost, in, in my opinion. I don't think they came in necessarily ready to go. I don't know how much, you know, whatever happened to Joe Bocci had to do with it. Don't think he had his best game. But the defense just didn't look up to par for a defense that we have all thought is completely invincible and can hold teams to less than seven every single uh, right. every single Saturday, the defense had holes. It right. had holes, and I think Arizona State showed a bit of it uh, coming here a few weeks ago, and Indiana just improved on what Arizona State did, uh, continuously running screens, quick passes, letting Pinnock build up a rhythm, some quick completions, keep going. I think at one point he had, what, like 22 straight completions? Uh that is what they did to continuously hurt the defense, kept moving yardage, kept getting first downs, kept getting up the field, and it kind of showed how you can attack this Michigan State defense. And I think that was my biggest issue and my biggest takeaway from this game is that the defense that was supposed to be invincible clearly was not, and there is a game plan to it. I thought D'Antonio and the staff were just out game planned, and I think I would even go as far to say maybe out coached in this one. I know D'Antonio had a solid um, last side with the field goal to end it off instead of going for the touchdown or going for something right. big. It was a smart decision, but I, j- I just felt like Indiana came in. They knew what they had. They knew what they had to do to stay in the game to attack this defense, and they did it. Penix looked great. I mean, he was composed. He has got talent. He's got a good arm. He made the right throws. He made the right decisions, and it just showed that if they came, if this was a better team, if this was Ohio State and they came in with a game plan similar to this, this game's over. Fair enough, fair enough. I, uh, I I agree with you. It's a bit bizarre because I think what we've always really talked about with this team the last two years, maybe even three, is, again, it's beating the dead horse of the defense is great, the offense is, is subpar. And it felt like yesterday the offense, while might have been ugly at times, again, you see Brian Lewerke was only 18 for 36 through the air, so... Some missed passes there, and of course, that's what everyone likes to look at and pick out mm-hmm. and, and, and and dog them for. But this was one of those rare games where I don't want to say your defense played poorly, but definitely some holes. And as you mentioned, the game plan was bubble screens, open up the middle, and then once Michigan State made the adjustment to protect the outside and the quick passes, you got beat a couple times. Gervin, I feel bad, but... <laughs> A couple times where you're, where you're scratching his, your head like, wow, I can't believe this guy's in the game right now. Um, 
but but either way, I, I don't believe that this defensive performance is something that will carry over into an Ohio State game. I mean, you look at the stats again, of course, Michael Penix had an unbelievable game. You have to give credit where credit's due. Mm-hmm. He made his throws. Uh, he was mobile enough to open up the field when he had to. Uh, the Rushing-wise for Indiana, Stevie Scott led the rushing with 18 carries and 66 yards. So uh, averaging 3.7 yards per carry, I can take that. So I think one of the positives that you see from your defense is they can still stop the run. They had some great stands, especially early in the game, too. They had some really nice stands. I just think it eventually as the game wore on, you started to see some some openings. And Indiana did a great job of game planning against Michigan State's defense. They really did. And, and you mentioned that point, too. So a bit bizarre um, from the defensive side of things. There was some weird, like, I didn't see till after the game that Joe Bocci was, like, supposed to play, not supposed to play. And yeah, not starting. very strange. So... Not sure what's going on there. Um, offensive side of the ball, you had Connor Hayward, who did I don't believe didn't dress, uh, which then people started to scratch their head about him. Is he transferring? What what's going on? Whatever. Uh, and apparently he's had personal matters. That was as Antonio said after the after the game. So um, I I you know it, it's it's one of those games that I think that you it, it's thank thank the Lord there's a bye week coming up. Is mm-hmm. what I want to say. I think you 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 go into Northwestern and you kind of get the proverbial monkey off your back there because every the the narrative with Northwestern is they have state's number, which you take care of business there. Uh, a game that I never felt was really in doubt with this Indiana game. Um, I I always felt like that the offense was playing well enough to march the field and do what they had to do, and they did at the end too. But I think going into a bye week now, you can take a breath. You know, some guys that you have banged up can 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 take a rest, too, because now you're going to see Ohio State. And if you've been watching Ohio State football, I also can't believe that there were rumblings in the national media that, like, Michigan was the team to beat in the East this year and not Ohio (laughs) State. This team's absurd. Like, Justin Fields, is it's so... It's it's unbelievable. It's such a treat to watch. And I definitely think, like, I, I saw a tweet earlier this morning, I forget who it was from, but... I mean, it is. Well, it hasn't been surprising how good they've been. What has been surprising is the way Ryan Day and Justin Fields have just—it's been seamless. Great word, exactly. It's yes. been seamless between those two, and he—he's looked so good. Yeah, it's, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's scary as a Michigan State fan, and and to to go into that game, but I, I just I believe, as I said, the defense you won't see struggle like this often, or if ever again this season. So again, I, you have to obviously have your defense show up to play because that's Michigan State's bread and butter. On the offensive side of the ball, they looked they I don't want to say they looked better. They it, it's I it was it was nice to see them be able to move the ball. Yeah. It, it really was. They 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 made some big plays. Lewerke took some great shots down the field. Cody White had a couple great grabs in that game where I was someone who for the past couple weeks is looking at Cody White like where have you been? Uh, and he showed up and made some big plays. Again, the 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 it seems like every week I talk about a dropped pass, you know, Dotson with the drop pass. I watch every single week yep, at nauseum. Uh, <laughs> a, a couple under throws on Lewerke's part, but he used his legs well. Had a couple great runs. Uh, Elijah Collins had a pretty solid game. I think we're waiting. We're waiting to see another like two hundred, three hundred yard game. I know he only had like fifty some yards on maybe 15 to 17 carries, but it felt like when you needed, uh, he had the touchdown run to start the game, of course, when you needed him to, to get yards, he did. So it's, it's, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm pleased with the win. You escape with a win. And I think you've made the point of, you know, you felt it was a game they should have lost. 
I don't know if I would go that far as to say they should have lost the game, but they definitely let Indiana hang around and just they, they really have struggled this year to kind of put the put the the foot on the on the throat and and, and close things out. I think that's a, that's the thing for me is when and then when I say that they should have won, I just felt like as you said, you get the proverbial monkey off your back in Northwestern and you start to think, okay, now you just have to finish out Northwestern Indiana and look good heading into Ohio State. And I felt like this was a game where you need to start to you need to finish answering some of the questions you got left on the test. Right. Like they made it halfway through, got three questions left, and you're like, okay, start answering these. But they didn't. I just felt like we still came out of this game with not all the answers and just a few more questions. Because now you're questioning yeah. whether, okay, can the offense continue to play like this? Oh, wait, what happened to the defense? I exactly. thought I didn't have to worry about this. And I just feel like this was a game where you needed to submit what you had before heading to Columbus. Because I, I feel like they're just left still with questions on that side. Because I feel, I, especially the biggest part, is I, don't, I felt like the line didn't get a lot of push on the pass rush. And that's not, I think it's not going to be great right. when you're going to play Ohio State. Because Fields, you give Fields the time you gave Penix. Yeah, it's it, it could get disastrous. It, it really could. I think the positives that you take though are, you know, you're you're seeing your team put up 40 points, mm-hmm. which granted the touchdown the at the one, end yeah. was whatever. You can wipe that from the slate. I what I appreciate and and love about this Michigan State team and it's it's just the way that D'Antonio coaches is I I feel I genuinely believe that, you know, up by 100, down by 100 tight game Michigan State always feels like they're in the game and have a chance. There's always some kind of fight left in them. So when you play in these tight games, and granted, Indiana is not a not a terrible football team, but they're of course not a you know they're not a great team as, mm-hmm. as well. We can we can be real with ourselves there. But I think to be in this kind of dogfight where you're in a tight game like this to the wire, it does something for your team, and that's one thing that speaks to D'Antonio's coaching philosophy and the way he prepares his players, because when you see a team like Ohio State and you see a team like Michigan, they always seem to rise to the occasion. So that's why I'm not really looking at this game and being worried about you know the defense just being Swiss cheese against Ohio State or the offense not showing up at all. It obviously will be your toughest test so far, and I believe of the year. Obviously, playing in Columbus doesn't help you. But it's it's hard for me to really give you an opinion on to will they go get blown out? Will they be in tight? Will they win the game? Because as you said, which is a great way to phrase it, you're leaving these games with more questions than answered. You know, if you yeah. answer two questions, you leave with one unanswered. So it's you're waiting for Michigan State to play that complete game. I think of course, you know, you beat up on a team like Western, you 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 do your job against Northwestern. And I think those are games where you look at that and go, they played decently complete games on in all phases. I would say Western's probably your most complete game, all three phases, and that's where you see the breakout of Elijah Collins. Maybe mm-hmm. they got to bring the Neons back. That might be it. Please, God, no. <laughs> Fine, I'll I'll allow it. Uh, but but it's this Ohio State game is going to be a great measure of who you are as a team because they have Ohio State coming up. You have Wisconsin. You have Michigan, you have Penn State, probably not in that order. Maybe in that order, it's not in that order. I feel like there's a, there's a game in between, right? But the either even Ma- even still, those Is Colin are saying Maryland. No, Mar- <laughs> what did he say? He Maryland's was mouthing the last something. Game of the year. 
whatever. Either way, uh, th- those are the handful of teams that you have coming up is the point I'm trying to make. And so you can see your team now go from four and one. And at the end of this, you know, this stretch, if you drop, you know, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, I mean, there you go adding four losses and you're in a seven and five team. So yeah. I think after we after you see them lose to Arizona State, which is a game, of course, that you have to win and you should have won. You're now kind of going. This team, it's going to be hard to get to nine and three, or it's going to be hard to get to ten and two, or to my ridiculous prediction of eleven and one, because that's just how I <laughs> operate. I'm just a slappy. So, interesting test against Ohio State. Granted, I think they will win the, the Big Ten this year, and they, I, I don't know if it's going to be enough to take them to the playoff unless they stay undefeated. Ohio State. Ohio okay. State. Yes, yeah. that's. I think it's going to be them in Wisconsin. And I, I don't know if Wisconsin quite has the firepower to, to, to do it against Ohio State. They just look amazing, Ohio State. So, I don't know. Interesting. This is a big test. It is. It's a big test. And just to, to clarify the schedule, shout out Ryan Collins for putting it in the in the chat we have. But Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, then Illinois, then Michigan. And both Ohio State and Wisconsin are on the road, by right. the way. Not great. Which very much makes that a much harder challenge for this Spartan team. Exactly. So I don't know. I guess my question to you before we wrap up the part one of the MSU football talk is, you know, I feel like every week you kind of have to do a reevaluation of this team. Mm-hmm. So we just read off all those games between uh, between Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan and Ohio State. Out of those four games, what do you realistically think that record is coming out of those four games? Out of those four, I think a loss at Ohio State. I'm going to go with a win at Wisconsin. Um, a win at Michigan, and then a win at home uh, against Penn State. I like I like that, and I I genuinely had the same exact thought. I I I cannot wait to see Jonathan Taylor against Michigan State's defense because this could be a losing your mind game, sweating yeah. shirt off game where <laughs> he's got ten carries for a hundred yards, and we're a mess. Or you can see Michigan State's defense actually show you what they're made of. I think that's a Wisconsin team that can be beat. They are very strong up front, obviously. That's, they played the smash-mouth football, yep. which I think is what Michigan State uh, on defense can rise to the occasion and Go do. Against, yeah. Penn State, I'm not quite sold on Penn State. Yeah, they did just trounce Maryland, which I think was more of a comment on Maryland not being who everyone thought they were versus Penn State being point. that good. Not afraid of walking into Ann Arbor at all this year. Uh, Michigan just is never prepared to play in these big games. As you as you see, I think you can go in there and smack them in the mouth. I genuinely think Michigan State's better than Michigan. Not just saying that as a slappy, but my follow up question to you now is: If you don't go three and one, uh, is 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 it a disappointment? I don't want to say say failure, but is it a failure to walk out of those games and and not be three and one, or you know, be one and three or zero oh and four? See, that's a tough point because I I personally do not feel confident enough in this team to really be disappointed. You know, okay, I fair I, I don't I hear you. when I I did give you a very much a more positive record just because I think based on how Michigan State plays and how they rise to the occasion, then I would say, I, you know, I say a loss at Ohio State, I think that's going to be, 
I think that's the easiest one you could pick. I say Wisconsin, Wisconsin, just because I feel like after a loss in Columbus, you step up and somehow pull out a win against Wisconsin. Sure. And like you said, I think that's a team that plays more into what this defense likes likes to go against. I don't think Penn State's that good, and I think that's a game at home. I think that's a win here. Um, and then Michigan, I don't think Michigan's that good. But I also think, like you have said multiple times, and I, I just said as well, State rises to the occasion, right. and especially against Michigan, they turn a game that a lot of people would say they should have lost into a game that they win either very good or very close. And so I don't, I don't think I'd be disappointed just because I don't think I've, I am fully behind what this team looks like as of right now. Now, if they go ahead and they beat Ohio State, then I think I have a very different outlook on who this team is. Right. Then I start to think, okay— you have now convinced me with your biggest win to date yes. that this is something that you can continue to do. Yes. I think as of right now, I still have a lot more questions, and I don't know what team's going to show up in Columbus or Madison or even Ann Arbor. Right. And I, you, you said something a, a, a second ago that I, that I really like, and I think it sums up Michigan State football very well and how this fan base is, is it's your, your – confident that the team can can win these games but you're uncertain of what you'll see on the field it's mm-hmm. this weird like paradox of of where you do the mental gymnastics of of oh they can definitely win this game like this is why they can win this game or you can also on the other side go they they're not going to be able to win because of this so you know it it's that's how michigan state football's been for the last couple years and that's why you know you have your games like arizona state where you know, people in the media go crazy and they're, they want D'Antonio's head because what are they doing? But they're still pulling out wins. I think what you see from Indiana and my final takeaway here is that the team can play, clearly. I mean, you know, you put up 40 points again. We, the, the, the last touchdown is what it is. But, you know, the offense is capable of putting up points. Maybe not against the greatest teams, but the offense has shown you through Western Michigan, Northwestern, uh, this Indiana game, granted Arizona State, not great. Uh, If you want to throw Tulsa in there too, fine. Mm -hmm. This offense is now capable of putting up points. The defense is capable of being that top three, number one defense, if you will, in the country, but they also show you too that they're capable of having some 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 holes in, in that offense exactly. or defense as well. And I, I will say, while I am not confident and will not be disappointed by the record, I think this team will 100% be disappointed if they go 0-4 or 1-3. I, I definitely right. think, and especially the staff and fans that are really behind this program, you look at them and you say, they have the best defense probably in the nation. And to yeah. go in and you say, okay, Ohio State, Wisconsin, this defense should at least hold it down. I think Lewerke, while it wasn't, I'm not going to say that they were excellent or even great in the game against Indiana, but Lewerke looked good. He looked confident. He made the right decisions, made some good throws, made some bad ones as well. Right. But there's definitely more confidence behind him now. And I think they all look at each other and say, we can be in all of these games. And I do think one in three for them, for what this program has been trying to do this season to to change around the, the tone of what this program has been these last few years it will be a disappointment if they go one and three or zero and four, right? So we'll we'll see. I mean, if look if you, if you can do what you just, I hope that you could promise me here they go three and one. I'd I'd, I'd sign up immediately. I go where do I sign? Because then you after you get done with Penn State, you have Illinois, you have Michigan the week after, then you have Rutgers and Maryland. So if you come if you if you take those games and go three and one, I think you had a pretty darn good shot at being ten and two. And to me, knowing that you have an absolute wagon of a team in Ohio State, you know. I, pretty comfortable with that but Michigan State on the bye week this next week 
Uh, we will talk some Ohio State, a little bit of Ohio State teaser with Alex McCray later in the show. Uh, we're going to go to a quick break, though. If you want to join the show, folks, 517-432-3893 is the phone number, 517-884-8989 if you want to text in or tweet us at WDBM Sports using the hashtag GWReport. You are listening to the Green and White Report. Impact 89 FM. Bringing you sports updates this Sunday and every Sunday. This is the Impact Sports Update. Michigan State football defeated Indiana 40-31 in their homecoming contest yesterday afternoon. Brian Lewerke threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns, while Elijah Collins ran in for one more. The Spartans moved to 4-1 on the season and prepared to hit the road and take on number 5 Ohio State next Saturday. He got off set for 7.30 right here on Impact. After a tough 1-0 home loss to Notre Dame Tuesday night, the Michigan State men's soccer team bounced back with a 3-0 road victory over Rutgers Friday evening. The Spartans moved to 1-5-2 and and on the season and will host Penn State on Tuesday. The MSU women's soccer team hosted Indiana Friday night. The match was suspended indefinitely due to inclement weather. The Spartans host Purdue this afternoon. Match set to begin at 1 p.m. on BTM+. Michigan State Volleyball went 1-1 one one on the week, losing to Purdue, Purdue Wednesday before sweeping Maryland yesterday night. The Spartans moved to 10-2 on the season and will travel to play Ohio State on Friday. I'm Henry Menegos with your Impact Sports Update. For more, visit impact89fm.org sports. Welcome back to the Green and White Report. Thanks, Hank, for the update. Shout out, Hank. Dude, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, dude. The one-two punch between Stearns on the little promo there and then Hank on the updates, that's unbelievable. Filthy. It's the best thing Filthy. we do here on this show. Speaking of Nathan Stearns. I love Stearns, it. I love it. He's here. Nathan Stearns is here. We got the man himself. The promo man It was hard to book himself. him. It was hard yeah. to book him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thank you guys schedule. for having me. Of I course. appreciate it. How was your homecoming weekend? Oh, it. Been running around up one way and down the other. You know, I was board hopping yesterday for the football game. You never realize how cold it gets in this studio. Yes, like you're it, it's five. I'm a blubbery insulated human being that never gets hot. I have blubber like a walrus, honest to God. <laughs> but it was so bloody cold. And then you walk out and there was a line of cars all the way on Grand River and all the way down Michigan Ave. You know, six, seven miles long, and then you have people riding on those stupid little e-scooters. It's It was fun <laughs> leaving. It was fun. Took me 30 minutes to get back to Brody, which it never has before, but... That's homecoming, so, man. Exactly. Wow, that's, that's, that's homecoming. That's the tradition, you know, just the traffic everywhere. There's the cities flooded with people. Takes three hours to get into the bars. That's how it works. I do agree. It is very cold in here right now, too. That, were you in the Were you in the sports studio? No, I was in the one right next okay. to us in the control the, room. Our our individual sports studio is the coldest room in the in, on campus. But what I don't understand is like the, these studios are cold, but we have a meeting in that conference room. I need to take all of my clothes off because I'm yeah, sw- it's a, dripping yeah, it's sweat. A thousand degrees in there. You're right. I believe you. I, I hear you, man. Uh, Nathan Stearns, we're gonna talk some field hockey with you if you don't mind. Let's do it. Uh, team is five and four on the season, coming off a four-one loss to number seven ranked Northwestern on Friday. What did you see in that game against Northwestern? I saw what I've seen in every other game that I've managed to cover. They yield so many, so many corners, and Arundel, their goalie, gets peppered with shot after shot after shot, and they struggle on the offensive end against really good teams that generate any sort of offense. And when they finally wake up, it's too late. They score their first goal, but they're already down three to nothing in the second half. So at that point, it's kind of a too little. 
too late sort of thing. Right. And it's it's just been that execution on the offensive and defensive end where they're young, so they panic a little bit on the defensive end, and they bail their teams out with stupid penalties, giving so many corners. They yielded, looking at this, they yielded 10 quarters. Michigan State had five. You can't do that on a consistent basis, and it's something they did against Indiana, which was a really, really bad loss. It is a conference game, but that objectively is probably the worst team in the Big Ten. You're talking about a coach in her first year, your assistant coach who's in her second year, and you come out really, really flat, fall behind. You let them hang in. They weren't doing anything special whatsoever. It was more of just sloppy execution and letting inferior teams hang around long enough to mount an offensive charge. And that's really what that game amounted to. And you you can't lose games like that. You can't have a coach who in her first conference game goes on the road and knocks off a ranked opponent. You don't want to be the one to bear that distinction. And we were. And that's a game that with seven out of the nine teams in the Big Ten being ranked, Indiana's not one of them. You have to be able to win that. You have to be able to get on the right side of the winning column with that, and they were unable to do that. So there definitely is a lot of growing pains with this team, but also a lot of optimism. And, you know, looking at the losses, looking at the schedule, it's really seemed like MSU has been unable to perform the season against top talent slash ranked teams. Uh, and that includes, you know, losing to Northwestern, Louisville, and UConn, three of the losses on the season. Is this team just not good enough to compete against these kind of programs? Or is just the talent level, as of right now, they still need to grow just too big of a gap between Michigan State? and these upper echelon teams? Well, I don't want to say that they're not good enough. There have been stretches where they have really been close with these teams. They were right there with Louisville tied at the end of the first half. The problem is that Arendelle, again, is keeping them in the game. She has 14 saves in the la- that last game against Northwestern. That's a career high, and they still lose 4-1. to one. Northwestern generated so many shots on goal compared to Michigan State. It was just an obscene factor. And... They're at a point now, that, like I said, they're in this transitionary period where last year they were really bad. They've already tied the amount of wins they had last year with five. But I, they're at the point where that young talent needs more time to grow and more time to come to fruition. I think in one, two years, especially next year, we have all five of our top scores returning. Sinisi's been really good. Karabanchak's been really good. Vanderwey, Ninka, they're all coming back next year. So you're returning pretty much your entire starting lineup. You got some good people coming in on the offensive and defensive side recruit-wise, but it's one of those things where they're not at that level yet. Not saying they won't be. I think mm-hmm. the, the trajectory's definitely going toward a good end game. It's just the fact that it's those little mental mistakes that they keep making over, over, and over that you don't see winning teams make. Once they learn that once they learn how to defend without bailing people out and without giving up penalties, I think they're going to be a lot better. But the fact remains, at this point, what you see is kind of what you get. And if they are able to go 500 in conference play, I think it's a definite success. But Big Ten, arguably the best conference in field hockey for Division One, And, I mean, they got killed at Northwest, and then you're talking about going down to Iowa City today, and then you go to Ann Arbor. So that's a 7-8-9 matchup. And for a young team like that, you learn a lot about what your medal is. Because it's easy to beat teams not trying to dismount UC Davis or Miami of Ohio or anything, but they're not these guys. They're not Northwestern. They're not Iowa. They're not Rutgers who will play later in the year. They're not Michigan. But you see a lot more of what you're emulating to be. You see what the end game is in mind and how good teams need to play in order to compete 
on a high level. And that's what you get from playing teams like UConn, get playing from teams like Louisville. And I think it's going to be one of those things where you may not see it in the win column today, but give it a year, give it two years, and you're going to see those lessons really pay off. And I think next year's really going to be the year when this team has the potential to do something really special. And you kind of talk about it here heading into this number eight matchup against Iowa, uh, the Hawkeyes, number eight in the nation in Iowa City. To, or, yes, today at 1 p.m. Eastern. What are some keys for this game for Michigan State to come out with a win, a big win against a ranked opponent, especially in the Big Ten? What are the keys for uh, the Spartan team? Well, this would be an absolutely signature win for them. They've got to start off by, again, not yielding so many corners. I feel kind of redundant saying it, but it's something that emerges every single game. It's a consistent and it's something that they have got to be able to cut down on if they have any hope of beating Iowa. They have to generate more offensive success. There was a lot of times, even against Miami of Ohio or UC Davis, where they seemed like they were sleepwalking almost, where they were trying to play very individually, They not passing as a team, not having good offensive sets. Just everybody, they get desperate, and everybody tries to do any everything on their own. It's almost as if... Cassius collects a rebound and then goes to the top of the key and pops it without any sort of offensive passing rhythm. That's what they can't happen, and that's what has happened. So I'm not necessarily optimistic that something's going to change just because it's such a quick turnaround. And there's only so much you can do studying film in a 36-hour period. But I'm also not going to count this team out because this the first time in four years they're in the top 25 poll. They've already, like I said, tied that winning rate, and they've played winning field hockey for large swaths of time it's just the consistent approach against really good teams they've beaten teams that they needed to be they didn't do that last year Mm -hmm. but they're also just having a little bit of those fundamental mistakes after they lost to indiana coach helen Knoll was just absolutely ripping them apart in the post game and it's when you know your team can be as good and they're not right that's what's frustrating because we all know how good they can be they're young, and when you see freshmen and sophomores scoring five, six, seven goals a season, it's really encouraging to see. And they're going to need that underclassman contingency to do really, really good again today. They're going to need Leah Sinisi, who's a junior, to do good. They're going to need Bonchek. They're going to need Ross. They're, those people are just going to need to have a better time sustaining offensive rhythm. They really struggle with that, where... The only offense sometimes they can generate is on corners. You have to be able to generate offense when it's an even man sort of attack. You have to be able to get it to your opponent's side of the field and sustain two, three, four good, for lack of a better term, like a hockey term, line shifts. You have to be able to pepper their goalie and poke things in. And they've not been able to do that at all at times against really good opponents. So if they're going to be able to win, they also got to give Jade some help. Yeah. Because she's been just absolutely outstanding, mm-hmm. but you can't sit there and get outshot three, four times by, you know, three or four times over and expect your goalie to bail you out. She's been the only reason at points throughout the year where they even have a pulse against these teams in the second half. And the fact that she's a sophomore is a scary thought for everyone else in the Big Ten. <laughs> but she carries herself in a very dignified manner, but she's got a little bit of that edge. You want to be a good goalie at this level, you have to have a little bit of an edge. You have to know how to rile other people up and how to be a leader on that back end of the defense and how to command other people on that back end of the defense. And that's something that I I fully expect her to do today, but she's got to get some help. She can't do everything herself. She's had to pick this team up and carry them all on her shoulders too much this year. And 
to beat teams like Northwestern, to beat teams like Iowa, Michigan, Rutgers, so on and so forth, you have to have a balanced team effort, a full team effort in all two, three phases of the game. And if they're able to do that, they have a shot. But it's going to take a lot of execution, the execution in the likes of which we have not seen yet this year. Now, realistically, before we let you go, uh, I want you to answer two questions in one if you could for me. Realistically, where do you see this team? Actually, I'll start with this. What do you think this team's ceiling is as far as if they play to their full potential? Where do you see this team topping out at? And realistically, given what you've seen, because you've said, you know, there's sloppy play, there's mistakes that you might not meet that ceiling if those things continue. Where do you see them realistically finishing this year in a, in a realistic expectation standpoint? That's a good question. I it's one of those things that's hard to cap to put a cap on because what you're gonna the growth that you say that you've seen between these players from freshman and sophomore year has been outstanding. So if you see that same level of growth between sophomore and junior year, junior and senior year, this has the makings of a top ten, top fifteen team in the country. They're number twenty three right now. But I think that they're at best a middle tier team in the Big Ten, just because the Big Ten is so, so, so good. And I, I think that Possibly they have a chance to stir some things up, play the role of spoiler in the Big Ten tournament, but I don't think you're going to see much more than that. I think that they're really a year away from mounting any sort of significant national attention. I think that, yes, there definitely has been a lot of improvement in the fact that they. this is one of those years where you want them to just be playing meaningful, meaningful games toward sure, the end of the sure. year instead of halfway through the year we're already getting – the backups in to get them prepped for next year. And that's the kind of goal I think you have to have. You have to set realistic expectations. So I, they're at best a middle-tier Big Ten team, at best. At worst, I don't know. Because, again, Indiana is probably by far and away the worst team in the Big Ten. They are, no offense to the Hoosiers, but they are not a good team. They are not a very good team. They struggle in all three phases of the game, and Michigan State bailed them out. So if you're capable of losing to Indiana at home, when, they, when the Hoosiers had just gotten off of a brutal road stretch, you're capable of losing to anyone. So, and that's the concerning part is that was a game in conference play that they had to have, and they were unable to dis, to dispatch. That would be the equivalent of Michigan State at home losing to Rutgers. Yeah. That's what it's akin <laughs> to, which is not a promising thought. And best case scenario, I th- they're a slightly above mediocre team in the Big Ten. Nationally-wise, they're a lot better than that. But the Big Ten, again, is sure, so right. it's the SEC, ACC <laughs> of college football. Right. So I think expectations need to be tempered. I think it's a little unrealistic to expect this team to really do much uh, anything as the season continues to wind down. But, again, just getting into the top 25, playing meaningful games, is a definite step in that right direction to know that you're eventually going to get to where you need to go. There's been a definite improvement aspect, a little bit of a rebuild year. Well, Spartans looking to take that step forward today in Iowa City against the number 8 Hawkeyes. Nathan Stearns, thank you for everything, all things field hockey. Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate it. All right, Julian. I just get lost in his voice sometimes. I love it. I know. He, does, has the, he has the best voice in radio history. Love him. I can't wait to listen to Stearns when I'm like 50 years old and He's on television. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. Beautiful. I can't wait till they change the voice on This Is Sports Center to his voice. Yeah. That's the day. That's oh. the day we're, we're, we're longing for. Um, I want to bring back a little a little segment here, if you don't mind. Go a ahead. Little, bring uh, it back. A little uh, what's on your mind, brother. <laughs> brother. I know we, we need to brand that a little bit better, but for, but for now, like for now, um, th- this is just something. 
Maybe, you know, let me let me get on my proverbial soapbox here. I haven't used that term in a while. <laughs> Hop on the soapbox. There's a couple there's a couple national things as there's always national news going on uh in the world of sports that have I want to say irked me or, or Ooh, if raised if raised my eyebrows a bit. I just maybe it can be a bit of a therapy session or we vent to each other or let's just talk. Let's just let's just talk. We got a couple things here on the docket that I want to get into. I know we don't have a ton of time for this segment. Um, the first thing we can touch on here, which is not, not nothing that probably, I don't have a problem with it, mm-hmm. but the whole, whatever this NCAA and the California bill, and I probably should have read more on it, but I need you to explain this to me because I hear about it all the time now, and let's we'll, we'll share our thoughts. Well, a, free, a free-flowing dialogue, if you will. There we go. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you some updates. I got my good old ESPN article out in front, so I don't sound like an idiot as I go through this. But I think it was about two, three weeks ago now, California State Assembly uh, voted 72 nothing in favor of a bill called the Fair Pay to Play Act. Um, that would allow California college athletes to make a profit by selling the use of their name, image, or likeness to outside bidders. So obviously this does not mean that schools are responsible for giving any money to the athletes or more money to the athletes than they already do, and nor does it guarantee that every student athlete is going to make more. It just gives everyone the opportunity to sell their name, image, and likeness to okay. outside, outside bidders. Gotcha. Under understood. So, uh, so that's obviously me. If I play for Cal Berkeley, which I never would, because I'm too small and not athletic enough. If I'm the quarterback at Cal, mm-hmm. I throw my last name on the jersey. It's in the store at Dick's Sporting Goods. You buy that jersey for fifty bucks. I'm making ten dollars on it. Completely legal. That's how that works. Essentially, um, I, I don't com- know. Am I completely wrong and not understanding what this? I don't thing know is? necessarily if it equates to putting the jersey on the back of the name, if that goes through, I believe what will happen is, say, for instance, like a Subway or a local sandwich shop wants to put your face Uh, on a thing. That, I believe, is what they're looking for you that you can now profit off of. Okay, gotcha. So how do you feel about that? Right, wrong, indifferent? I personally like it. I think it is the beginning of a step in the right direction because, first off, it it is completely and should be completely wrong that once these athletes sign up to go to college and do all of this, they have to get rid of their name, image, and likeness. They sign all the rights of that away to the university. I mean, how sure. many signs have we seen on campus that have Cassius Winston's face or Nick Ward's face back yeah. when he was here? Like, that was literally the faces that people used to equate what Michigan State basketball right. is. And the fact that those just have to go away and they don't make anything off of that, to me personally, I think is ridiculous. Now, what I will say is that obviously this does not put any pressure on the school to give them any money. Right. This doesn't even equate to what they actually deserve in terms of what they should be paid. But it is a move forward, and I think it is a big start for California to take that step. And hopefully this is what will move on to pressuring the NCAA to say, hey, you need to start doing something about this. Yeah, it is. It's you know, I think this is a... Not that it's a monumental move, mm-hmm. but it is a. It, it might be the first domino to fall, and I'm not. You know, we we can save the, you know, the 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 cliche or the the unoriginal. Should college players get get paid? Conversation for a rainy day, even though it is raining outside. Um, but I, it is. You know, you it's something that you would just think is like kind of like common sense. Like if mm-hmm. I, you know, if if you approach me, if you're, you know, if if you're in, I don't know, a. a a subway, as you as you mentioned, at USC on that campus, and you want to put the 
you know, my my face on there if I'm the quarterback of the USC Trojans. You know, I should be allowed to make a a, a couple bucks off of that. I I think that's so it's reasonable. Exactly, exactly. And I do want to, because I, I think I may have gave a bad example, but I want to give a clear example, okay. and as they point out, so for, say, in the future, star quarterback at USC might be able to sign an apparel deal with Nike or star in a McDonald's commercial. And then again, it also allows for, say, a Stanford swimmer advertising that she is teaching swimming lessons or an entertaining athlete to collect ad revenue for starring on his own YouTube channel, which the NCAA has oh, penalized a lot of yes, players for have seen that, who yeah. have started their own YouTube channels. They have told them they can't make any money off of that. And for a couple, I believe they've even removed them or said that they were going to remove them from their programs. Interesting. So uh, to your point that we talked about before the show, do you think that this now gives these California schools like, a, I mean, we'll use like the premier program, USC, does that give them an innate advantage that you think that all of a sudden now USC football is going to be some unbelievable team because they're getting all these recruits that want to make money? Do you think it's not going to be that big of a deal? I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I definitely think there might be a small inkling in some, I think, maybe lower athletes' heads um, that, hey, I can get paid and get my money legally here in California. But I also think, like, let's just be honest. Bags are being dropped. Money is being thrown around in college sports. You saw it with everything that happened in college basketball and what went on there with the FBI investigations, the taps on schools like Arizona and yep. stuff like that. And Kansas is now working uh, with their own set of uh, set of problems. But the bag is being dropped. Money is being given to people in college college sports. That's just a fact. Um, and so I, I think for, say, a Zion Williamson top athlete, not saying, you know, he took any money or anything like that, right. but for a guy who is that upper echelon talent, he can go to Duke and make all the money he was going to make uh, in California right there in that backyard because somebody's going to drop a bag for him. Yeah, it's 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 something to keep an eye on. It really is. So. Um, I'm glad we talked about that because I was very uninformed. It was good. And uh, there's still a lot going on. The bill has to be passed, and it won't go into effect if passed until January 1st of 2023. Um, And kind of what happens next, the bill goes back to the California Senate. Uh, They passed an earlier earlier version of the bill in May, uh, but has to give its approval again because the bill was amended on its way to the assembly. Gotcha. So for all we know, it might not even ever happen in this conversation. Exactly. But But this is a good movement forward, obviously. So the Senate goes through it again, and then... And the governor, Gavin Newsom, uh, has 30 days to decide whether he will sign it into law or not. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I'm glad I got that. We got that off. We got off that off the dome. I feel good. I've been off, wanting to talk about that for a while. Off the um, chest. We're a little out of it now, but especially when some some athletes and guys like Tim Tebow went on and talked about it. Right. Um, but it was a good thing to talk about. Right. Uh, something now that I want to move into is we have a couple more national. I I hope we get some more time to do this because I like doing this kind of stuff. This is this is what I live for. You know, the, the, this is the, the the back and forth. We're just two two guys chatting about sports. Um, I hate the shooting fact the breeze. exactly shooting the breeze. I hate the fact that I'm looking at this man's name on my computer and that I'm we're I'm actually about gonna, deleting. Gonna, it, gonna, gonna talk about him, but I do want to talk about that as we preach uh, a preach a I'm preach because the legal's coming. So oh, I'm the, legal, the legal is coming as it's we 12. approach the noon hour here on the Green and White Report, brought to you by Impact eighty nine FM, WDBM East Lansing. There's the that legal. Write it down. The legal was said. The legal was said. So we're moving on. Um, Antonio Brown and the crowd cheers. I'm I'm going to tell you this right now. We're going to talk about him for about two three minutes here. I never want to talk about him again. I'm I'm curious. All the I don't want to go through the entire list of the. Uh, the the feet and the helmet and the in the in the phone call and I don't need to give you that list again. D- do you think this man is insane? For one, 
Two, are you sick of hearing about him as much as I am? And three, do you think he'll ever play in the NFL again? And do you care? Do you even care anymore? I'm, so first point, is he insane? Uh, we need to get better chairs. I'm not going to make the comment Let's on his mental state, but these have been a series of bad decisions. Yes. Uh, a series of what seems to me on my side, uneducated decisions. Um, and I will say that. I will not debate whether he is insane or crazy or <laughs> whacked out of his mind. Um, but th- th- none of this has been good. None of this has been great. What was your second one? Uh, I know one of them was, will he ever play football again? Yeah. Some team's going to sign him. Some right. team, because it's the NFL, some team is going to be like, oh, we can take AB and rebuild them and, you know, whatever happens. Because the NFL has an issue with taking people and people who have done bad things. Obviously, he has not been verified guilty or not. But to be honest, I really don't feel like he should be able to play play football and make the money right now um, with everything that has gone on. With the, If Colin Kaepernick can't have a job, I, I don't see why Antonio Brown should as of right now. If this is how this works. Are, are you... Are you sick of hearing him as much as I am on on like ESPN and all that stuff? Do, yeah, you, do you think I'm it's, done. do you think it's necessary for him to keep beating this proverbial dead horse? No, he's done. It's over now. He's out of the NFL. He's not playing for anybody. All he is is another guy like us tweeting on Twitter. Move on. Find a new slant. I'm done. I'm done hearing about <laughs> yeah. this. And if, if we're gonna hear about it, if you're gonna bring his name up, can we talk about you know all the the people he has hurt and the people he has left behind in this? I mean, I feel like we've been talking about his antics and his Twitter outrages and kind of glossed over the entire story of what is going to be going on, what's being investigated between him right now. I just think, in, in my opinion, you're, you're right. I, I don't want to get into, you know, where he's at mentally. I don't want to comment on, like, the, you know, the allegations and all these things. I don't think it's necessary to do. I just think the reason why I wanted to bring this up is I, I have this very big problem with, with, the way that the media covers things like this. And as I've said before, negativity sells. It's just the bottom line of how things work and not even just in sports, but in life in general. That's why the news is filled with people who get, you know, so-and-so got murdered. And all you hear about is these horrible things and never about the good things happening in the community. Cause people get intrigued by that kind of stuff. So this is something now where I look at, I get that Antonio Brown, it's a unique circumstance because he's one of the best, football players we've seen in a long time especially at the wide receiver position so for a guy so high profile it's obviously it's obviously news but at a certain point if you're going to act this way I don't blame the Patriots for cutting him it just probably and that organization's run so tightly that if you're a distraction to the team and the organization there's no there's no place for you there but at a certain point I don't know why this needs so much attention to where every Mm -hmm. single day it's something new. Every time this guy tweets something or says something on Instagram, it's it's the number one story on SportsCenter. I don't care to hear about it. He's not an NFL player at the moment. If AB gets signed tomorrow, you guys can talk about it all day long and all those implications and do what you got to do. But I, 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 I am I'm sick of hearing about it. I would have to imagine he at some point comes back and plays in the NFL. The XFL is looming, so who knows? That could be your premier guy. I'm sure they're pushing hard to get I, him. They they tweeted we don't want him. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Never yeah. mind. It's why I, I, I'm not on Twitter <laughs> enough. Uh, but but it's it's an interesting case. At, for the time being, I don't care to hear about it anymore. So whatever. I just I I I I just that's that was my thing. My my gripe more so was just I'm upset with the way that sports media covers things like this. I just think it's like blown out of proportion and unnecessary in my yeah, opinion. I just we we definitely, you know, sports media has covered 
the wrong angles, I, I believe right. in this. I definitely think you look at the allegations, whether you know what is said has been true or not, there has not been enough coverage for the quote-unquote victim in her for this. Yes. And then also for him, if, say, these aren't true, what happens with him? And I feel like that just entire saga, that, and I know it's kind of just going on right now, and I don't know if there's anything that can even be reported at this yeah. point, but I just feel like the story has shifted from everything that has gone on there surrounding that to, oh, he got in a Twitter beef with Baker Mayfield or Eric Weddle right. um, talking about how he used to play a long time. Like, it just exactly it's ridiculous. Exactly. Uh, moving on now here, I got a couple things. I don't know what we should do here because we got to do some other stuff today. Can we, let's, let me talk about Jalen Ramsey. I don't know if you've been following the whole Jalen Ramsey deal. I have. He, he's asking for a trade, uh, and then like I saw him and him and head coach Doug Marone got into it on the sidelines in one of their recent games, or maybe it happened a couple times actually. Um, leaves the team because of an illness, and of course, too, you know, I who am I to say that he's actually wasn't sick? But it just you know what a coincidence that he's asking for a trade, not happy there, whatever. Um, the the birth of his child. So granted, he's gone there. Now he's traveling to, with the team to wherever they're playing today. But he's injured. I don't think he's playing in in that game. I don't know if he's actually injured. So this this brings up a much bigger issue for me that I think we we haven't really within the last handful of years. I think it's become a more prevalent and prominent topic in sports of guys holding out. Obviously, Melvin Gordon coming back this week has been holding out for the the first four or five weeks of the season, whatever. The holdouts and the demanding of, of, of trades. I'm in the camp of you you sign this contract, and and I I'm totally for the players getting theirs. Like, get your money, do what's best for you in your life. I understand it, but at a certain point. You know, you get paid to play a game, and it's obviously me saying this behind a microphone that I that I don't do for money. If you were to offer me ten dollars an hour to play in the NFL, I would do it because that's how much I love sports. Granted, after I get my first concussion three plays into the game, I'm probably thinking I should get a, a bit more paid for this. But you you make hundreds of thousands to multi millions of dollars. There's a certain point to me where it's like okay. Put your put your helmet on, be a good teammate, and go play. So this Jalen Ramsey thing to me, I just I I'm not a fan of these guys who, once the team starts to go south and you're not undefeated after week four, like now you want to trade. I think it's kind of scummy. Maybe you think that I'm crazy for saying that and I'm not understanding the whole picture, but that's where I'm at. It this one's very tough for me because I personally am all for the player. Um, because as seeing we've seen it happen loads of times where the team most of the time is not looking out for the best interest of a singular player. They look for the best interest of themselves right. and the team, and that's just a fact. And I think it exacerbate this issue is exacerbated in the NFL because all NFL fans and all NFL owners and all these people care about is the logo on the helmet and not the names on the back of the jerseys. There are a lot of NFL fans where they care more about the team than the players that are on it. And I think that's just that's just how the NFL works. And that is what the NFL has been. Um, and so when I see holdouts and I see things like that of guys wanting to get paid, this sport's brutal. And yeah. I think at a certain point, your career is not going to be long, so you got to get every penny that you are personally worth. And so holdouts, all that, I'm fine with holdouts. This Jalen Ramsey thing, to me, 
it's it's a little different. I don't I'm I don't think I'm there yet with the and obviously we don't know what was true and what happened, right, but the right. consistency of, of missing practices uh, for and this I think this goes for anybody, not necessarily Jalen Ramsey, but the missing practices, the oh, I'm sick, I'm not playing in this, you know, all that kind of stuff of just making this more than just I'm holding out to me is a little bit much. Right. But I do see it from the point of you got to get your money. You're not going to be long in this game. If the team isn't going to you don't feel that you are in your best situation and it's a personal move that you have to make, then I'm for it. Because we saw, and one of my biggest ones is Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas with the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. Yes. His sister passed away. He plays in the playoff games for him. And the next thing you know, Kyrie Irving's like, hey, I want to trade. And they're like, Isaiah, we gotta, you got to go. Yep. And I, I just think that's how it works. This is a business. Teams make moves. Teams don't really care. And a player's got to go and do what is best for himself and for his family. And I think in some situations it changes as far as like Antonio Brown, his situation, everything that happened there. But as far as holdouts and movement and wanting what's best for you, I'm I'm for that. You're a good man, Julian. You're a, you're a very kind heart. I hope I said all of this in in a in a nice way. For, yes. For this, for everything with Antonio Brown, I hope this. I kind of phrased it in the way I wanted to phrase it. it yes. You did. Decent. You did a great job. I I I like the time that we get to have where we actually touch on the bigger topics, and I think it's important to do. Um, and we should do more of it. This was fun. You should. This is great. I but, love this. But that was what's on my mind, brother. Brother. What's on my mind? And now, I know people are anxiously awaiting the Sparty Awards. We will get to that. We're going to go to a quick break first. Uh, If you want to join the show, if you want to weigh in on anything that we've talked about today, 517-432-3893 is the number. Text us at 517-884-8989 or tweet us at WDBM Sports, hashtag GW Report. We'll be right back with the Sparty Awards for Best MSU Traditions right after this break. You are listening to the Green and White Report. WDBM East Lansing. The Impact. Bringing you sports updates this Sunday and every Sunday. This is the Impact Sports Update. Former NFL star Antonio Brown has filed a record nine grievances and appeals against his former teams, the New England Patriots and the Oakland Raiders. The suits are worth over $61 million and are an effort to gain back some of the salaries Brown believes are owed to him. The Duke Short Lions defeated the Philadelphia Eagles last Sunday, preserving their undefeated record in a 27-24 contest. The Lions are now 2-0-1 on the season and will host Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs this afternoon. Kickoff set for 1 p.m. on Fox. The Detroit Tigers are 1-1 in their series with the Chicago White Sox, splitting their first two games yesterday afternoon. The series continues today with first pitch scheduled for 3-10 on Fox Sports Detroit. I'm Henry Menegos with your Impact Sports Update. For more, visit impact89fm.org slash sports. Hour number two here on the Green and White Report. Everyone's been anxiously waiting for this week's Sparty Awards, and we're going to give them to you right now. Uh, Julian, in the spirit of homecoming week, weekend, what have you, by the way, Parade canceled on Friday. Bummer. That was really sad. Bummer. I have a buddy feel... who was on the the court. I was supposed oh, to see. Oh, really? Him. Yeah. How do you how how do you get on homecoming court at MSU? So he applied. There's oh, an application. Okay. You have to have like a recommendation and all this okay. kind of stuff. And they they pick. I was you. gonna say like I don't know enough people to get anywhere near the necessary votes to <laughs> be. A, like, you know what I mean? Like I I don't know if it was like a popularity thing. Like. Oh, Joe Schmo knows six thousand people at this school, so they all vote for him for coming? homecoming court. Dude, you're you're super popular. 
Being at your, your house the other day, so many people, so many people came through. Perhaps in my own mind, I am. But um, that's cool, though. But I my I do have a couple buddies that um, they are on uh, student advisory council for Lyman Ooh. Briggs College. So they were building the float all week, and I feel bad. And oh, not to rag sucks. on, yeah. not to rag on SAC. But they didn't get a lot of help. It was my two buddies, uh, one of my other friends that's not an SAC. I showed up for a day, did some staple gunning. I'm very afraid of staple guns, by the way. I don't know what it is. I don't that trust myself. That does sound terrifying. I don't trust myself. Uh, they made this whole float. It looked really nice, actually. And then they canceled the parade. All that time spent doing the float, and they canceled. You got to have a better system. Like, I don't know what, like, I just don't granted, know. it was pouring rain. It Friday. was. It was gross. I just don't know why they didn't just postpone it or move it to some other date. They just were like, I mean, I guess it doesn't necessarily work you do it after but yeah i feel like it just kind of hurts to throw the whole thing away i also don't get why you don't do the parade before the game on saturday maybe there's just too much traffic and, and stuff probably that probably, yeah that could be a lot a, to shut down all those those uh, yeah, roads probably a headache but um anyway it, it, homecoming week here our last homecoming is students wow which up until up until this year i will admit i never really took homecoming in college that seriously I know it's a big time for like alumni to come back and parents, but you know I, I think that you, especially this year, you really appreciate. At least I really appreciate um, the school a bit more and in 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 tradition. And you know you see you know guys like Draymond Green on the on the football field and stuff, and and Izzo and all the coaches come out. Yeah, and it's great. So so in in the spirit of homecoming week or weekend or homecoming day, whatever it is, is there a homecoming dance? By the way, there's got to be one. Like I don't a, like a prom of sorts, but I, homecoming. I really don't feel like we have one here. My brother went to a homecoming at Novi High School. Really? Yesterday. Yeah. That was first one. Uh, it's well, he is a sophomore. He did not go freshman year. Probably too cool. And I'll tell you what, he was he had a pretty sweet outfit. He went black on black with Ooh. a gold, golden black tie. Okay. And uh, some checkerboard Vans as the shoes. I like that move. That's I clean. was never ballsy enough to like throw on a pair of like Jordans. I don't. I mean, I don't never own Jordans, but. <laughs> You know what I mean? I like that, that, that look. That takes a lot of swag. I like That's that some look. sauce. But anyway, uh, MSU traditions, the Sparty Awards, uh, things that, you know, when you think Michigan State, when you think tradition, these are Michigan State things that you have to do, you got to take part in, are just unbelievable things that this school has to offer. All schools have their traditions. I will kick it off. I think one of the best traditions, again, that happens everywhere, singing the fight song at a sporting event. It's Basketball, classic. football, what have you. Michigan State objectively has a great fight song, in my opinion. No and doubt. No nothing, doubt. Nothing better than when you're at the stadium, when I was at the stadium yesterday, standing up, saying the or singing the fight song. Love it. First first song I always put on at the tailgates, and usually no one's there when I do because people don't show up until very late. Uh, I throw the fight song on. I love it. Singing the fight song at a sporting event. That's up there. That's up there. My first one can be a little annoying, but I think I'm especially going to miss it this year once it's all said and done. Midnight screams. Yeah, and you probably you probably get a better taste of it because you're you're at Acres, and because I, I think now that I'm in the house, uh, way away from the dorms, I might not hear. I might just scream by, by myself. Right, just yeah, just scream out your window. Scare yeah. the sorority. That's yeah, just... exactly. So you like the midnight scream, and people have mixed feelings about it. I, I definitely like. I get really annoyed when people do it at like twelve oh one. Like, stop! You had your yeah, minute. Yeah. It's time to cut it. Yeah. But I think it's something really just like I don't know, nice for a second of listening to, especially freshmen, um, just 
scream out the window. <laughs> and you're like, you finally, you understand what I have been going through for multiple years now. Yeah. The stress, the pain, right. the sorrow. It's it's all expressed in a singular scream. Yes. Also funny just to see all the people who are like walking outside and don't know what's going on. They start freaking out. Yeah, right. So it's 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 a classic for me. I I you know I never really get. I I try to be a very low stress individual, so I don't try to stress myself out too much for final exams. Freshman year, I, I went after it. You know, I, yeah. I I yeah, I I let it all rip. I don't really participate in the midnight scream anymore. I'm just kind of embarrassed, but uh, it's 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 cool. I don't know if other schools do it. I I, I have no idea, but it is. It's like a, I like it's like a collective like student body thing. Yeah, like everyone's thinking the same thing. It's all for the same purpose. So. I'll, I'll give you that one. Midnight Screams is a good one. I wasn't even thinking about that when I was putting my list together. You took all the good ones. I put my list together last There's night. There's a lot, man. There's, some great I, ones. I, I changed one up real late today because I was I thought of something different. But my second one, and this might be controversial, burning couches in Cedar Village. Unreal tradition, especially especially last last year uh, when Michigan State basketball was making their run and after they yeah. beat Duke. And I lived in Cedar Village last year. So I was just trying to get home. And I remember driving from Reno's East, where I watched all my games. I, I remember driving from there to get back to Cedar Village. And the police officers were like, you can't come through here. And I'm like, sir, I understand why you don't want me to come through here. I know what you think I'm going to do. I literally live right there. Please let me go home. I had to park like a mile away and walk back. But... Just the flooding. I love how like Cedar Village is the spot. It's cool. Like, there's the it spot uh, yeah. when you win, you go there and you have a good time. And I'll tell you what, I think if Michigan, maybe not if they beat Ohio State, but I think if Michigan State beats Michigan, I'll be in Ann Arbor for that game because I want to go see the Spartans win in person. I want to watch it live and breathe it in and inject it into my veins. You'll probably see some action in Cedar Village. What? That no doubt. Probably no will. doubt about that. Couple of couches. Yeah, but that's. I think it's 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 funny. I know it's like somewhat destructive and it's a hassle for the police officers, but that's like to be. It's kind of a like that's what they're known for. It's, they, tradi- it's tradition. It's what yeah. they're known for. It's what like you grow to expect it. Yes, exactly. So that's. I think it's a pretty solid tradition, if you will. All right, I like that one. Uh, my second one before a football game classic it's a beautiful day yeah. for football yeah that, I, it doesn't get better than that yeah like especially on a really gorgeous day yeah in spartan stadium afternoon game even though a lot of people hate noon kickoffs um <laughs> but just that perfect time where you're looking up at the sky sun is shining feels good you're around yep. everybody else team's about to play you hear that and you're like it really is a beautiful day and it's i i i don't go my my I buy season tickets every other year. I try to buy them based on who Michigan State plays at home. Being mm. like, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily. I don't really get up for like the Rutgers home games. Yeah. So makes when sense. when Michigan State sees Ohio State in, in in Michigan at home, I get tickets for those ones. So I don't go to games as often this year because I've I don't have tickets. But I went yesterday, and you, that's something that I missed. You know, I love how they have a shirt that that says it's a beautiful day for football. They have mm-hmm. the shirts made up. But when you're hearing the speech of like the wind coming out of the north northeast and yep. the temperature is sixty five degrees and it's a it's just it you they get that build up it's like all right it's kickoff time like let's go that's it's, a, it's great that's a great one great tradition um my next one is kissing the logo for seniors absolutely love this so I don't know if they do it for football 
I know they do it for hockey and they do it for basketball is probably where you see it most. But I love Izzo does a great job of setting it up perfectly. You burn the timeout, you get your seniors out of there. They're usually winning the game by a million points yep. at that point. I think that's it's such an iconic and amazing thing to do. And I'm hoping, I don't know how I could swing it. I, I really hope I get a chance to, 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 I don't know if they do that for like the student body. Like if you, if they like have a day at the Breslin where you can like go kiss the logo. I know like you guys that cover basketball will probably get your chance to do it. Yeah, so do hopefully it, do I can, it after a game. Yeah. Hopefully maybe I, one day I'll get you a press pass. Yeah. Just to just, I think that is like the perfect sign off to just, and I, I think too, you know, I don't think you'd make that move, and you don't you don't kiss that logo unless it really means something to mm-hmm. you. You know, I think to everyone that's done it, it's a truly like damn. Like this was you know four years here. It was my, a great time. So I love it. I love watching it. It always gets me a little emotional watching it. But it does too. It does. I hope too. I get a chance to do that somewhere this year. We'll, we'll we'll try and get that for you. But no, that's that's beautiful. It's really like it's the culmination of four yes. years of work yes. that you've just put in and yes. just you get down and dirty and you kiss that logo <laughs> one last time. Exactly. It's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. My next one, painting the rock. And I know a lot of schools have their own version of the rock. Yep. But I, I don't know. I've always really enjoyed our rock and the fact that people put, you know, whether it's some advertisement for something or whether it's something meaningful for a big social movement or something like that. I've always loved going out painting the rock. Um, people who defend the rock. I, th- I think it's just a really great tradition. It's yeah. something that's always really cool to see it nice presented on a farm lane. That's something that I've always wanted to do too, of just, you know, I, I think it's cool. Like you, you protect the rock, like you're out yeah. there all night sleeping out by the rock. I think that's super cool. And that's, uh, that's, I, I wanted to kind of save another Sparty award for like, maybe towards the end of our tenure here in the spring of things that you have to do before you graduate as far as being on campus. This kind of ties into it, but the, the, rock, bit, yeah. the, the rock is cool. I, I, I'd like to uh, to do that one of these days. I don't know how I'm going to get a chance. We could, well, let's paint the rock for the green and white report. That'd be so cool. We'd go out there, get a little, little video action out there. Of oh, us, yeah, I you know, like that. Hour five, morale is low. We ran out of McChicken <laughs> 30 minutes ago. Um, my next one, chicken. I, I could too, I'm starving. We're, you know, we're both starving. But anyway, my next one is the the band walk into the stadium uh, for football games. Now, this is something there that, again, as I've gotten older here and my, my time at MSU has, has carried on, you really grow to a pre- – I love the band. I love the band. I love Great. the band at halftime. I love the band before the game. But to see them do their walk into the stadium – um, down by the Sparty statue, I, I went with a buddy uh, to the to last week or two weeks ago. The game against uh, Arizona State. As I was going to the game, um, we took the time to go watch that happen, and it was it was awesome. I just it's just you get again that feeling of being at the school, soaking it all in. I love watching that. I know a lot of again a lot of schools do that too, but I love it here at Michigan State. That's a big one. That's a big one. And on a similar fashion, I'm going to go with a walk as well with the football team's walk from yep. Kellogg to Spartan Stadium. It's just something about it. Of It's it's like going off and you're sending your boys off to war. Yeah. And they're just walking through. You know where they're headed. You know where they're going. You know it's about to be a battle. Yeah. And you see them one last time. Yep. I, th- I just I think it's glorious. I, that's I don't I've never I've never seen that in person I don't think do you know when that happens or like where they walk past I don't they walk from Kellogg I'm just trying to picture in my mind of like of like how that goes I also yeah. uh, by the way tang- I haven't seen it either tangential to, to that too I'm gonna add that on onto yours is the when they all link arms and walk the field together that's a, yeah the that's a beautiful one that's great that's a good one that uh, that 
It is cool. You see, you see the players, you know, hugging their parents and stuff. That's that's cool. I need to go. I need to find out where, when that is and go watch that one of these days. I really do. Um, my last one here, maybe a little bit off the beaten path. I'm not quite sure if it's a MSU tradition, but Rama, Rama, Burger Rama, Big Taco time. Rama at the Riv. Uh, I've been to. I want to say I've only been to one Rama. And okay. It is the most fun I've had. Really? Yeah, I, I have not been to it, a Rama yet. Well, we'll set that up. It's it is so worth the wait in line. You get that? I have like twenty eight jerseys that I bought from China for like fifteen bucks. So I like getting <laughs> the opportunity to wear those. But Rama is so fun. I love it. Every, but even if it's not your scene, if you're not a big drinking guy, mm. just go and experience it. It's just fun. Like you're out in the middle of the day. Like chuck, that's one thing too that Michigan State students are great at. It's just like chalking days to dedicate to drinking. <laughs> it is kind of great. It I will not lie. It, yeah, that is so. Great. Rama's my last one. MSU tradition. I like that one. I'm gonna go kind of on a similar path of just off the big emotional nice ones that we've been doing. A late yeah. night Conrad. Yes, sir. Is yes, just sir. Gl- did it a couple nights ago. Oh. What's your go-to? You never regret it. I'm a big. What is the GWB? DWB. DWB. Yeah, yeah. yeah. GWB. That's a heavy. That's a heavy rap. It's a big one. That's a. He- I used to be a DWB guy as well, but I just I I can't st- even. Doesn't matter. You know, obviously great drunk food. You know, as we're saying, as 21 year olds, I you know I. Doesn't matter how drunk you are, dude. I, you can't. It, that's a tough. I mean, did you finish the whole thing? I no, I'm a big for most of them. Some of them I can finish them all. Yeah, that one is a, like eat half, throw it in, yeah, and then maybe, yeah, maybe and, eat the next. And that's day. a good. Th- I'm glad you said maybe because there's sometimes where like I it's not yeah, gonna you, get it's down. Gr- absolutely gross. But but yeah, that's that's a good one. The the D the DWB. The DWB. I, I, I'm a big honey mustard and barbecue guy now. Whatever that rap number is, it's, like, it's literally called like honey mustard and barbecue. Later on the stomach. Yeah, I know exactly which one that can is. Get yeah. it down. But yeah. Yeah, JFK. Yeah, that's the one. Yes, that's a good one too. That's a good one too. Uh, Those were the Sparty Awards. MSU Homecoming. That was a really good one. Or MSU Traditions. That was a really good one. I like that. That was fun. I'm glad. Again, I say it every week. I'm glad we have not run out of ideas yet. It'll come eventually. We're killing. We'll hit a wall. We're gonna be up late at night, like SpongeBob writing his essay, and we're gonna be like, (laughs) I I don't know. Twelve hours later. Exactly. But. We'll wrap up the Sparty Awards uh, per usual as we do on the show. We go Michigan State football part two. And for that, we bring in our friend, Alex McRae. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Uh, hanging in there. A little hungry, a little cold, <laughs> chilly. Yeah. Hey, McRae, favorite Spartan tradition for you? Oh, geez. Um, I don't... Mm, man, that's tough right off the top of my head. I know, I've, I've, put, put I've, you on the spot I've here. Been, I've been jot- jotting down notes here for a while. Um, Probably... Mm, I, I I can't think of one right off the top of my head. I'm like the student section chants, maybe. I like those a lot. Yeah, that's a good that's one. Fair. That's a good yeah. one. That's a because we we always overlook it. But you're you're getting out of here with us as well this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, oh, yeah. I I don't know why I just thought McRae was like a sophomore. He I, really like because he came in yeah. and I just I came in with everybody else who was like sophomores exactly. or juniors and I just did not. Uh, yeah, we did. We got connected. Yeah, we got a. We gotta start kissing some Spartan heads around here. I might just put one on the floor. <laughs> I'll put one on the floor here in the studio, and just that'll be my like my big. Send That's off. what we need—a Spartan logo, a big impact logo, just right yeah. here in the middle. We get yeah. down and kiss it. Yeah, I love it. Exactly. Okay, so I don't know why earlier in the show that I I believe I said after this Indiana game, what a great game for a bye week. I don't know. Did I say that on the show? I feel like I was talking about the Lions. I almost I was trying to. I don't know. Maybe I really. I, I mean I don't feel like you said it. 
I don't I feel know. like you may have, yeah, you said bi-weekly. This is the problem. When you don't eat before the show, your brain's mush. Gone. So I don't want to be like, I'm like the hero here, but like, <laughs> either way, before we dive into Ohio State, uh, McCray, your thoughts on what you saw from the Spartans yesterday against Indiana? Well, um, the offense was, believe it or not, the bright spot of the of the game. I know. I, I was completely, Can you believe it? I was shocked <laughs> by it. I couldn't believe it. Um, I will say there are a few things I noticed on the offensive side of the ball that I think need to change if this team really wants to compete long term. One of those is Brian Lewerke needs to be more efficient with his passing numbers. Yes. Uh, only 50% completion percentage on the game, 42 to his top two receivers of White and, and Stewart. That needs to get better. He needs to be more accurate. One of the throws that was just mind-boggling was the little out route to Anthony Williams <laughs> that would have probably resulted in a touchdown if yeah. it would have been a better pass. Williams had to make a tough catch. He could have made it. I mean, it's it's both. It's on both of those yes, guys there. Is. but. Lewerke needs to put that ball in stride. There are a couple of balls he threw behind people. He threw far too in front of people. It was a little frustrating, but then you see him just air out a ball and, you know, complete a 30, 40 yard pass. And you're like, geez, what, what's, what's missing here? Why is he not completing these short, easy ones? Um, another one is the offensive line needs to create holes for Elijah Collins. The dude is a good running back. He can hit a hole and hit it hard, but that hole needs to be there. Somebody needs to open up some space for him. And something else I noticed in relation to that is Matt Seibert was kind of doing that. He was setting a bit of an edge, but he didn't, I mean, he missed a couple of blocks, but it was just the rest of the offensive line really wasn't carrying their weight. Seibert is, in my opinion now, far and away the number one tight end on mm -hmm. this team. Yeah. He, he can catch balls fairly consistently. He caught a touchdown that's three in the last two games. And he's been able to turn plays into big games. I mean, we've seen that the last couple of times. So it was uh, the offensive uh, side was good, but there are definitely some things where they can continue to improve. Um, with Indiana, they really figured out how to tear apart this Michigan State defense. Yep. Uh, they had a, a screen game working with their wide receivers that really was serving as a pseudo run game, I noticed, um, because Stevie Scott, their, their solid running back, only had 66 yards. Uh, granted, they ran him 18 times, but 3.7 yards a carry. Their entire uh, rushing total for um, Indiana averaged 2.5 yards per carry, and that's about consistent with what Michigan State's going to yep. give you, but it's that run pseudo run game with the wide receiver screens that will be the death of this defense and we saw it on, on saturday and ohio state's gonna try to take advantage of that now let, let me ask you as far as the defense side of the ball goes um i don't i don't i didn't want to say that the defense played poorly i just think as you mentioned their weaknesses were exploited and every defense has one uh going forward do you foresee the defense i don't want to say again i don't want to say like lit up or played badly do you, do you see this kind of game happening again for Michigan State on the defensive side of the ball? I I mean, if you're an opponent that's facing this vaunted Michigan State defense, you look at what Indiana did and say, well, I believe our defense is better than Indiana's. We can shut down Michigan State's offense. So if we just do what they did, if we replicate that performance, I don't see why we couldn't right. blow this team out, really. I mean, I mean, Michigan State's defense was letting Indiana move up and down the field. Uh, let, let's be let's be 100% honest about that. Michael Penix Jr. might be a legitimate Big Ten starting quarterback. I mean, he was very good. I mean, 33 for 42 for 286 yards and three touchdowns is phenomenal. 
I mean, that's a great passer rating. Yeah. That's a great completion percentage. He was surgical in his precision. And I believe, I mean, the quarterback play for Michigan State only gets tougher and tougher as they go mm-hmm. on in this schedule with Justin Fields next week and then Jonathan Taylor and Jack Cohn the next week. And I think one of the biggest things that I noticed is this is twice now that a similar screen game, quick passes, has worked against this defense. Arizona State did it a little bit. Indiana just executed it a little bit better and was able to move on that. And so you look ahead, and one thing that I noticed in this game, and maybe you can talk about it a bit because you were there, but it just felt like there was a lack of adjustment to it by the coaching staff. And I don't know if that's something you saw or if you just, I mean, a lot of people told me that they adjust to it, that opened up things downfield, and maybe it was the right play to just continue to let Indiana do that. Um, so I want to ask you, what do you think about that? Was this also not only an out, out game plan from Indiana, but maybe even an out coach at some level? Well, I, Michigan State didn't make really an adjustment mm-hmm. in the second half, and you're correct in your assessment there. But the thing that I believe they were trying to counter is they didn't want to give a guy like Stevie Scott an opportunity to run up the middle. Mm-hmm. And it will be the same thing against Ohio State next week. They're going to count on their corners and secondary to really kind of one-on-one man coverage these guys and that could be dangerous because if you open up a, an open field up the middle for jk dobbins he will go for oh. 150 yards yeah the guy's a, an elite caliber running back and mm-hmm. it won't get any easier for michigan state going forward stevie scott was a good running back jk dobbins is a whole different monster i'm gonna i'm gonna move into the ohio state game now they are very good Yes. Uh, very, very good <laughs> yes. football team. Yes. So uh, looking at this game, obviously, you know, there's they have weapons everywhere. You mentioned J.K. Dobbins, obviously Justin Fields. Uh, defensive side of the ball, too, they have some playmakers. Uh, they march into Columbus, Ohio. Obviously, last year's game did not fare very well for the Spartans either. Nor did the season before that. Uh, absolutely. Of course, yeah, th- especially that season. Um, my, my question to you is, or I'm more so asking you a favor, of can you put me through the mental gymnastics, as Ryan Collins loves to say, of how Michigan State can win this football game? Um, I don't like. I don't I like. Mean, you're off to a bad start with that. I don't. <laughs> I don't like that at all. That you don't have an answer right away. And know, I think that's that's fair because Ohio State's just that good. Man. I mean, you look at what they did to a. a, a Nebraska team that people thought was going to be really good this year yeah. and I mean granted they haven't lived up to expectations and Nebraska is only two for 23 in their last 25 games against top 10 opponents but you just look at the matchups and it's a really really bad matchup for this uh, MSU defensive unit and on the offensive side of the ball they got to go up against top 10 pick Chase Young who yeah. mm-hmm. will make Brian Lewerke's day very uncomfortable to <laughs> say the least and it's going to be a true test. I mean, if Mark D'Antonio, it really just has to come out and be a phenomenal coaching job where just Ryan Day has some mental lapses and isn't calling the right plays, and Mark D'Antonio is just a step ahead. And we haven't really seen that this year. We really haven't seen that in a little while. So it'll be interesting. I think it's it comes down to a coaching matchup. Yeah. If Michigan State plays disciplined football, if they're able to control the ball and they're able to limit turnovers, I think they have a shot. Much like the Lions today, by the way, a little uh, preview. Yes. But uh, if they're able to keep the Ohio State offense off the field and limit them to around, you want to have them in the 25 to 30 point range, I think there's a shot for Michigan State. But if Michigan State gives up more than 40 points, it's going to be it's going to be ugly. And so we talked about it in our segment, but away at Ohio State, away at Wisconsin, 
home matchup against Penn State and then away at Michigan. Four-game stretch, what is your predicted record for those four games? I think ideally, if you're a Michigan State fan, you look at that and you say, well, if we can be 2-2 two and two after those four weeks, it should be a massive accomplishment because that would pretty much open up the lane to be 9-3, and three, not necessarily in the competition for a Big Ten championship, but a solid bowl game, probably like the, the Holiday Bowl a few years ago. And really, that's that's kind of what Michigan State fans are hoping for at this point, where if you get a, if you can end up with ten wins after after the bowl season, then okay, perfect. But I mean, you can't expect to win all four. I think uh, back to Julian's point earlier in the show, and it's a very valid one. Is is he and and I would agree feels that you leave a lot of these Michigan State games getting some answers to some questions but almost leaving with more questions than answers. So to you, I don't know if you want to give me your number one, top three, whatever, what are your questions still that you have when looking at this team? Well, my question, a big thing that Michigan State needs to be able to get down is they need Matt Coughlin to be money inside of 45 yards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They need him to be consistent. He hit a 44-yarder yesterday and then hit the field goal with uh, a 20-something yarder to ice the game. They need him to be consistent. They need him to get rid of those jitters, whatever they may be, because uh, uh, last uh, after his first field goal, he was five of his last six in misses, not uh, not makes. So they need him to be a lot better. They need uh, to not. They need to limit the penalties. They need to be more disciplined. That's what I'm going for, uh, especially on one of Indiana's last drives with about like three minutes left in the game. There were two. Uh, pass interference penalties against Josiah Scott, and then one roughing the passer against Raekwon Williams. You say, okay, maybe those were a little questionable, but they were still called. Yeah. That's still a free 45 yards that essentially gave Indiana a touchdown, and you cannot do mm-hmm. that in a clutch game, especially against opponents as good as their next four. Well, Michigan State will take on Ohio State next week in Columbus Saturday, October 5th, 7.30 p.m., Hopefully we have some more answers than questions coming out of that game. I'm I'm, no. I'm, I'm kind of scared. <laughs> I am. I mean, you, you, you look you at sound what, scared. Yeah, Ohio you look State's at what Ohio just, State yeah. has done, and then you just say, "Well, what what has Michigan State shown you that says they can go in there and, and compete?" And I right. really don't think yep. they've really shown you anything at that level just yet. Right. So as we mentioned with those those handful of games, you know, now it's 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 time to put your big boy pants on and, and go play some yeah. football. So put we'll up or see. shut up right now. Exactly. No no bye week. I I really hope I did not say there was a bye week. I think I did. You think I would like be able to do the math? Like It's all right. We fixed it up. Whatever. We Fine. fixed it up. You, Al- you yes. Alex McCray, thank you for being here. Of course. Uh that was the Michigan State football recap with Alex McCray. We're going to go to a quick break here. We got some NFL football to talk today, folks. It's Sunday. Stay tuned. Green and white report. Welcome back to the Green and White Report. 12.41 p.m. We're nearing the end. And Chugging I along. smell the McDonald's hash browns from here. Mm. That's probably right where I'm going afterwards. All right, NFL football. It is a Sunday. We bring on the man, the myth, the legend, Ryan Collins. How are you? 
What up, boys? How we doing? Yeah, I love, I love yeah, I just love I when energy. <laughs> gotta, gotta bring the energy when I, I come it. in here, boys. You talk about it. McDonald's and Colin just looks at you oh, and just ho, ho. smiles. Yeah, Woo. that greasy grin that, that he greasy gives. Greasy grin. These Colin's just fired up. I'm for fired up. Let's go. Today. I'm ready to roll. Okay. Uh, I don't. Akara uh, 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 McCray, is your mic on? Hello. Yep. It yep. is on. Good. It is on. Good. Okay. McCray sporting a fire lion's hat. How about my jersey? You didn't want to talk about my jersey here? Yeah, I mean, you have a <laughs> knockoff jersey that is incorrectly made, so... I think this looks better than the Lions' actual It doesn't jerseys, look horrible. Though. It really doesn't look horrible, but it's Where not... Where did you get that one? Uh, China. China. Yeah. China. Is D-H-G- that D-H-Gate? D-H-Gate, yeah. The GOAT. Um, you know what? Let's do this. Let's throw a little bit of an audible here. Why don't we go the picks first, because the music's going. Yeah. Then we'll, we'll then we'll reel it in. We'll have a little heart-to-heart with some Lions football, because we got to gotcha. talk about some things today, gotcha. okay? So we'll roll here with the picks. The music's going. I, I love this song, by the way. It's my favorite song. This and the Canadian National Anthem are my two favorite songs. Uh, oh, God. Uh, yeah, it's pretty solid. There's nothing better than Canadian National Anthem. Yeah. Eh. Thank you. Thank you. Eh. 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 Get out of here. Uh, Hockey United Canada might be better than... Eventually, <laughs> eventually, we will go back and actually figure out what our records are with these picks, because I would like to know. I think I've actually been doing pretty well. I'm definitely failing, 100%. <laughs> But no, we'll, that's my fault. I'm just not doing my job. No, I gotta it's do okay. That. We'll figure it out. No that's big right. deal. Here we go. Yeah, pay you yeah, for. Yeah. No big deal. What a joke. Here, 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 here we what go. A joke. Here come the picks. First game on the slate. The Houston Texans are a five-point favorite at home against the Carolina Panthers. Ryan Collins, who do you like? I got Kyle Allen fever right now. Oh. I see Nathan Stearns in the studio, Carolina Panthers <laughs> fan right now. Yeah. Give me the yeah. slashing the throat, but I got Kyle Allen fever Give me Carolina, baby. You know, I'm going to have to agree with you. Let's go. I'm, I'm Let's a big go, Kyle Allen Don't guy. Get this, I'm get not buying into Houston just yet. My boy Nate Stearns, big Panthers fan, got to go with Carolina. He hates them this week, too. He goes, take Houston. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I'm going with Stearns. Houston, baby. I, 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 I hate to, to do this to Stearns, but I think Carolina is an absolute fraud of a, of a team this year. Where's the He's agreeing. He's, He's agreeing. He agrees. <laughs> Stearns on my, get Stearns on the mic. I'm, I'm with Julian on this one, too. I'm with Houston. Stearns, get Stearns on the microphone on, right now, on. please. What do you, Stearns, All right. what, tell us about the state of tell, Carolina yeah. sports. Well, well, well here, here's the bottom line, guys. Daryl Williams, our left tackle, who's an absolute turnstile of a human being. <laughs> You're talking, uh, he let Shaq Barrett look like the second coming of Lawrence Taylor. Three sacks, eight quarterback pressures against the Bucs, and then was absolutely abused against the Cardinals. So, no, as a diehard Carolina fan, Kyle Allen can't win if he can't throw. If he's on his back 90% of the time. I'm I'm, I'm hoping we'll be okay, but... J.J. Watt is going to take our lunch money over and over and over again, and we're going to be looking at the Will Greer show in the third quarter. I will say this, though. I don't know what the market would be like here in the East Lansing area. We definitely, Stearns definitely should deserve a Carolina podcast where we just talked about Carolina sports because I, yeah. I think everyone enjoys it thoroughly. Yes. It's fantastic. You should have seen, he's wearing a Jern 303 class together, and we yeah. were talking about the Charlotte Hornets, and li- he was going off about the Hornets. They paid Terry Three years, $58 million for Terry Rozier. Never shot above 40% from the field. It's ridiculous. You're paying Nick Batum, Cody Zeller, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Marvin Williams like they're the 92 Dream Team, like they're Magic and Larry 2-0, and we're going to win 15 games. 
Like this reminds me when I was still living in North Carolina in 20, 2011, we went two and 14 with Clawson and seven and 59 with the Bobcats. This is <laughs> the same territory. Bobcats. Rest this in is peace, the same, Bobcats. Oh, this is the same territory. They're going to be so ungodly bad. It's going to be an absolute <laughs> joke to watch. They're a D league team. <laughs> and Mike, Michael Jordan's a horrible owner, but I, I rest my case. Yeah, thanks, okay. thanks, thank you, Sturridge. Mm, that, that, that was a great update. Love that, the tangent. That should be a segment every week, the Carolina sports update yeah, with Nathan Stearns. Yeah. That would be unreal. The state of Carolina. Hakara, can we get the music going again? I need, I need the blood flowing through my Juices veins. Juices need to be a chance. Yeah. I'm taking Houston here, by the way. I just, okay. I, actually, I don't, again, Carolina's kind of a fraud here. I like Christian McCaffrey a lot, but uh, give me Houston here. Next game here, I need the music. Hakara, I need the music. Give there me the music. Okay, you know what? G- g- give me, give me a second I need here. the music. Right, I do a lot of things. I know, give me a I know second here. I know you're busy. I appreciate you, but I needed the music. Here we go. Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. The Baltimore Ravens are laying seven at home. Brian Collins. I'm, I'm going to say one thing about Freddie Kitchens. That guy is a complete moron. Give me the Baltimore Ravens. If you watched that Sunday night game last week, you get in the red zone first and five. I think they had two timeouts, something like that, and they're going... They have a horrible offense line. Greg Robinson starts at left tackle for them if you want some reference point at that. They go Thanks. single, basically like, hey, Baker, we're going to leave you on an island here. Not going to give the appearance of us running one bet. One bet. I hate Freddie Kitchens. I hate the Cleveland Browns now. Give me Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. You know, Lamar what? Jackson's a beast, too. Like He's really good. One, Even though his helmet's stupid. Sorry. One thing about the Browns, since that blowout against Tennessee in week one, they have been pretty good. They they hung with the Rams last week. I'm pretty sure they covered that spread. I'm going to pick the Browns to cover this. Wow. Seven points is a lot against the division opponent. Give me the Browns. Browns have not looked good all season. I'm going with Lamar Jackson. That running back is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I like oh, yeah. That. I like how he does that. Just yeah. like throws oh, yeah, in everyone's I face. It. I, I like love it. it. He, as he should. I agree. Tough divisional matchup here. I think the Ravens at home helps you a lot. I'm not sold on the Browns. I hate hearing about the Browns. Sorry, Joe Dandron. Give me the Ravens here. Next game, Miami Dolphins at home against the Los Angeles San Diego Chargers. The Dolphins are a 15-point dog. I. We were talking about this in the studio. I'm like, yeah, the Chargers will probably cover. And then I think about it, Chargers are really banged up. Like, yeah. Really banged up. They were like thinking about playing. Mel- I think Melvin Gordon is going to play this week. He, he literally showed play. up on Thursday. Yeah. Like, if you need him to play that bad, they got to be pretty banged up. I like Miami actually to cover here. I think San Diego, San Diego Chargers, that's what they are. Move them back to San Diego, NFL idiots. I'm just saying. No one cares about them in Los Angeles. Zero people care about them. I don't know. That's my. Didn't have my soapbox, but yeah, I like the Dolphins. My proverbial soapbox. Yeah. Well, I I gotta say the uh, Chargers do have a lot of guys out. Mike Williams is out. Justin Jackson is out. Hunter Henry is out. That's a lot of offensive weapons, but they still have Keenan Allen, Melvin Gordon's back, and they still have Austin Eckler. Give me the Chargers to cover. Yeah, I'm going with the Chargers to cover. The Dolphins are hot garbage. I have Keenan Allen on my fantasy team, so I'm gonna need this. I'm uh, as McCray just said that Mike Williams is out. I'm going to adjust my lineup right now on my phone. <laughs> um, but I will say this: I think the Dolphins stink. I'm waiting for the game where the Dolphins like actually cover a spread and impress some people. I don't think it's this game. Give me the Chargers. Buffalo Bills seven and a half point dogs at home against the New England Patriots. Ryan Collins, how are ya? I love Bills Mafia here. Getting <laughs> seven and a half. I think they cover. This is a classic game where the New England Patriots just crush their dreams and crush everyone's dreams in the AFC East. But I, I, I do like Buffalo to cover. This defense in Buffalo is really good. 
just flat out very, very good. And Josh Allen makes enough plays where they'll be in the game. But uh, I think they cover some of half. You know, I got to agree with you there. Uh, Orchard Park's going to be insane too today. Oh, yeah. I love the Bills. I love their defense. Josh Allen, I think, is going to be a very good quarterback. He's the best running quarterback in the NFL right now outside of maybe Lamar Jackson. Give me the Bills to cover. Give me the Bills in this one. I'm all in on Josh Allen. I'm all in on it. Someone's taking the Patriots down. It's going to be Bills and Josh Allen. Oh, you guys, I love you guys. I love you guys. But you have to know you can't bet against the Patriots. Seven and a half is a lot of points. You I, can't the road. bet against the Patriots. I'm not betting against them to win. It's, like, down, it's down to seven, by the way. It's moved to seven. Yep. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't believe that. Um, I'm currently on Bovada, and I, it's still at seven and a half. I understand the thought process here, and I do actually think that, that Buffalo – well, does have a, a legit chance to win this game. Uh, but like I said, you don't bet against the Patriots. Give me the Patriots. Uh, the Colts are a six-point favorite against the Raiders at home. I love Jacoby Brissett, and I just think the Colts are I, – I think he's, like, a bona fide NFL quarterback. He might not be an elite player, but, like, he's able to manage the game well enough and actually make a lot of good plays and gives the Colts an opportunity to win every week. I like the Colts. And I, I, I really want the Raiders to be good because I love John Gruden. And I just love like his voice and like hearing him talk. But I don't knock know. on wood if you're with me. <laughs> no, I hate that though. You know, I gotta say, I can't stand the Raiders one bit. <laughs> I love Marlon Mack. I love T. Y. Hilton. I love Jacoby Brissett. Give me the Colts. Yeah, give me the Colts. I like Jacoby Brissett. I've never been down with John Gruden since he went on that whole dreams and nightmares thing. Still don't know what that was about. Give me the Colts. I am going to take Raider Nation here. Even if they don't win, I think they at least cover. It's going to be a tight one. Uh, I, I like what Derek Carr is showing so far this year. Uh, no, oh. that Stearns is shaking his head, too. Okay. Well, wow. That, that wow. Was, I didn't know we that had a buzzer. That was insulting. That hurt. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, we'll move on. We'll Harsh. try to recover from that one. Atlanta Falcons and the Tennessee Titans. The Atlanta Falcons are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Atlanta Falcons need this. They kind of went through a gauntlet to start the year. I actually like Atlanta in this spot. Hopefully, Devontae Freeman shows up and does anything because I have Devontae Freeman on my fantasy team. And I'm horrible at fantasy football every single year. Devontae Freeman, throw me a bone. Let's throw Falcons. You know, if Big Cat taught me anything, it's to never bet on the Atlanta Falcons. I'm going with the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> uh, give me Atlanta in this one. I think just for the fact that Atlanta is at home, I don't know. This is a tough one because I know the Titans are probably going to win. You know what? You're right. I'm not going to bet against Big Cat here. Give me the Titans. New York Giants, three-point favorite against Washington at home. Wow, these teams both stink. Go ahead, Collins. Um, What was the game again? I just wasn't paying it's attention okay. at all. Giants-Redskins. Uh, Giants-Redskins. You got to go with the substitute Saint, teacher. St. Louis and yeah, Cardinals Got to go with the substitute Brewers. teacher, Daniel Jones. This is disrespectful. And <laughs> Case team of stints. Give me Daniel Jones and the Giants. You know, I, I like... Washington's offense outside of Case Keenum. I think they actually have a, a viable offense, but because Case Keenum's at the helm, give me the Giants. I can't go with anything the uh, Washington. I like Daniel Jones. I like my favorite substitute teacher. Give me Daniel Jones hey, and the Evan Giants. Evan Ingram might be one of the most underrated tight ends in football. Unfortunately, when he was on my fantasy team a couple years ago, he did absolutely nothing. But I will say this. <laughs> I think that Daniel Jones, good for him. Decent game last week. Pretty damn good game last week, actually. Um, I'm going to take Washington here. I think they take a step back today, being the Giants. Uh, no Saquon. So give me Washington. I hate this game. I don't want to watch this game at all. Um, Arizona Cardinals, Seattle Seahawks. Arizona five-and-a-half-point dog at home. 
I actually like Arizona to cover here. Seattle's a notorious team in playing close games every week. It doesn't matter how good they are. It's like a nail-biter, and Russell Wilson's had to make a play down the stretch. I like Atlanta to cover. Hopefully, they're not kicking as many. I mean, Atlanta, excuse me, Arizona to cover. Because Arizona kicks a bunch of field goals. they got to score in the red zone. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm I'm a buyer on uh, Kyler Murray. Give me the Cardinals. Love it. Yeah, I'm in on Kyler Murray as well. He's starting a great Heisman commercial. I don't know if anyone's seen it yet. Fantastic. I saw it. Wasn't that good with the Cardinals. Of a fan. It's good. I like eh. it. It was funny. I'm going to take the Seahawks here. I think the Seahawks still have some pieces that can legitimately be decent this year. Not sold on the card. I think the head coach stinks. I think Kyler Murray stinks so far. I'd like to give him time. But uh, give me the Seahawks here. The Rams and the Buccaneers. Rams are a nine-point favorite home. Jameis has thrown eight interceptions today. Give me the Rams. The Buccaneers suck. Give me the Rams. Give me the Bucks. Jameis is eating another dub. Uh, That's right. What we do, Collins? Eating a double. That's a W. Eating a W. That was the dumbest video on the internet. Pre-game speech I've ever heard. Are you kidding me? I'd run through a brick wall if Jameis Winston ate a W right in front of my face in the huddle. I think the Bucks suck. I think Jameis Winston sucks. Give me the Rams. <laughs> Denver Broncos and Jacksonville Jaguars. Denver is a three-point favorite at home. Oh, I, I like Jacksonville here. I really do. I'm, I, I, I'm buying into Gardner, Menchumania, like all that stuff. But I just think their defense is flat up good. I know they don't know if Jalen Ramsey's playing today. But I, I think... Clay's team on that front will be able to disrupt that, but Josh Allen's a stud already. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jacksonville here, too. Uh, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb have not been able to get home consistently like everybody expected them to. Joe Flacco has not been good, and Emmanuel Sanders is the only weapon they have on offense outside of maybe Phillip Lindsay. So give me the Jags. Yeah, everybody said it. Broncos have shown a lot of holes so far this season. Jacksonville looks great. Gardner Minshew had to make some moves. He's my starting quarterback at the moment because fantasy was down. So I got to go with Gardner Minshew and uh, Jacksonville. I can't believe Joe Flacco is still in the league. Give me the Jags. Chicago Bears, and probably what I think is the game of the week, the Bears are a one-point favorite at home against the Minnesota Vikings. Bears by 15. I love the Bears in this spot. I don't really like the Vikings and don't really believe them. Like, having Kirk Cousins trying to beat this Chicago Bears defense is not a good sign for the Vikings. That's what they're going to have to do because Delvin Cook is not going to be able to run against Chicago Bears front four. So give me Chicago Bears. I think everybody discounts how good this Minnesota Vikings defense really is. They're good, really I, I good. I mean, this could be, uh, you know, a six to seven game at at the end. I mean, it reminds me of Michigan State's offense last year. Both of these teams. So I'm actually going to take Minnesota. I'm going to do the same as well. I think this is a low scoring for a low scoring affair, as Alex said. And I think I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins over Trubisky to just finish it out. Yeah, very, very evenly matched and interesting game here. Uh, obviously, home field will play a big one, a big part of this game. Don't know what to do here. I almost want to flip a coin, but I'm, I I, I think the Bears also have a good defense, a very good oh, defense. Oh, most certainly. They and have, I, they I have think, a great defense. I think against Kirk Cousins, you might be able to make him crack. I have a little bit more confidence in the Bears' offense because of what they showed you last week. I'll take the Bears here. Uh, a couple more games left. New Orleans in Dallas. New Orleans are a three-point dog at home. New Orleans money line in the Dome late night. I love them. And I, I and Teddy Bridgewater, hey, I said this last week. If Teddy Bridgewater is not wearing his white gloves, his pit doesn't count. Because <laughs> if he's wearing if he's wearing the all-black gloves, I, I, I wipe my hands clean with this pit. You know, 
Dak Prescott has proven me wrong. I didn't think he was going to be good. that great this year, but with Zeke, with Amari, with Dak, give me the Cowboys. I'm all in on the Bridgewater story. Give me the Saints. The Cowboys have not played anyone real in the league this year so far. I can't wait for them to lose this game tonight. Give me the Saints money line as well. Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals. I can I can feel myself falling asleep already. Steelers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I really like Cincinnati this week. I... I, I is a, I don't no believe, Ben no big Ben I know Mason like Rudolph I I don't really believe in him eh, and eh. He, it's just like eh, he doesn't have like a good face I saw people saying that like he just doesn't have that quarterback face yeah that's a fact he just, yeah he just some guys got it and, some and guys I, don't. I, I I for some reason I fall into the trap I'm like Andy Dalton not bad but he really isn't good but I think he's like not bad for he some reason throws for a ton of yardage in garbage time yeah I know but it, I convince <laughs> myself every week that's I'm like you know what he can make a play in this situation so give me the Bengals. <laughs> I'm going to take the Steelers, even though if uh, for some fantasy football insight out there, always start Tyler Boyd. Dude gets so much yardage and points in garbage time. So give me the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, give me Cincinnati. Who day? One of these teams is going to leave the field today with a win. Isn't that swell? I think the Bengals will be the team to do it. Give me the Bengals. Uh, last game here on the slate, even though we only have about two minutes left, so we can talk about this a little bit. Uh, your Detroit Football Lions and the Kansas City Chiefs at Ford Field today at one o'clock. The Lions are a seven and a half point underdog. The, I mean Darius Slay not playing this week. Neither is uh, Mike Daniels. Neither is Danny Amendola. I I said it earlier this week. I like the Chiefs to cover, unfortunately, but in my heart of hearts. Right before takeoff, I'm about to bet this Lions line. So that's just that's just that's how I that's how my mind works. But on the record, I, I like the Chiefs here. You know, I've been vying back and forth on this line for a little while, but with Darius Slay out, with Danny Amendola out, with all the injuries, with Matthew Stafford apparently dealing with a back injury that is may or may not be real, I'm gonna put Kansas City minus seven for my lock of the week. Whoa! Wow. Seven and a half. Wow. In the lot. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Even better. Still, I'll still take <laughs> Even it. better. That's it. I'm sorry, Detroit. It's not happening. Kansas City all the way. Let me tell you this right now. This Lions team is something special. Oh, my God. Get out of here. Please don't lie to I the listeners go. like I this. Yeah. I won't Get go full Trent on you. Can, can I, we buzz them here, please? No, there's no buzzer here. The Detroit Lions are going to walk into Ford Field today at home. Matthew Stafford injured and all. No Darius Slay. No Amendola. The air conditioning could be broken in Ford Field. It's not going to matter because the Lions are going to walk in and beat the Kansas City Chiefs today. You heard it here first. There's their first loss of the season. How's that for an ending to the show? I don't even want to hear anything else you guys have to say. That's it. We're done. Can right. we be done? We'll, Is that we'll cool? see what happens next Sunday. Okay. We'll, see, we'll see where we're at That's next fine. Sunday. If, if the Lions lose, I will eat crow. I will eat crow next I, If the Lions win, I'm supposed to paint my chest L. Or, That's right. Uh, and we're going to do the whole show in like uh, Honolulu blue Kool-Aid. Yeah. Yes, we're going we're gonna to take a bath in Kool-Aid and, and the nice. Motown rundown if, if the Lions win. But... That is all today for the Green and White Report. We appreciate you being with us on this fine Sunday. Have a great rest of your day. Go Lions for Julian Mitchell and Hikaru Kudo behind the glass. I'm Ryan Rabinowitz. We'll see you next Sunday and every Sunday at 11 a.m. You have been listening to the Green and White Report. You have been listening to The Green and White Report on WDBM. For all your sports news and notes, go to impact89fm.org slash sports.